Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, but we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. It's comics. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. We are recording. Seems a bit weird doing it like this. We've moved on, man. We have. We're all about the professionalism. The times have changed. The times they Music's are changing, clothes are changing, changing, drugs clothes. are changing. Thank you, Renton. <laughs> I'll call you Rent Boy. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> Only paying customers can. <laughs> well, it is rough being a student. It's rough, it? all right. Oh, hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to, what is this show? Hey, Kids Comics. This is Hey, Kids Comics. Yeah. Do you forget with all the other ones? I do, do, I forget with everything that I do. I'm just so, you know, in demand. Understandable. I wish I got paired <laughs> for all being in demand. It's not the same when you're not there, though. Is it it's, not? it's really weird talking to myself. Right. With headphones. I, I could imagine. Yeah. I talk to myself a lot. You do. But it's weird to do it in front of a microphone. You record them in front of Yeah. Anyway, tonight is our long-delayed DC Rebirth show. And it'll be even longer delayed for the people actually listening to it. Because yeah, I haven't even edited the last show we did yet. By the time it comes out, DC will do the next reboot. <laughs> by the next time, it'll be DC Afterbirth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that not the next thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> did I, was that too far? <laughs> Uh, a little bit too far. No, the right. after rebirth. <laughs> yeah, after rebirth doesn't sound quite as bad as after birth. It doesn't. I didn't no. really think the connotations through when I made that joke. Are the connotations, or is it just a flat out thing? Bad joke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move swiftly on. Swiftly on. And uh, we will consult with the email sack. So we'll rummage in the email sack. We'll rummage through the email sack. We don't have any sound effects. To... <laughs> yeah, we should have a sound effects library. We're just not very professional We're not. in any way whatsoever. Uh, we've only got a couple of emails today to, to get through. So, I mean, one of them's quite long. So that'll take us a minute or two, won't it? Yeah. So we'll have a look at uh, Star Wars The Dark Entry, which is the triple X porn parody. Speaking apparently. of rummaging into sex. Yes. Uh, the Foreskin Awakened <laughs> would have been, I think, a better title <laughs> for the Star Wars porn parody. But that's just me. Um. <laughs> Rendered speechless. <laughs> Which is not good in an audio medium. <laughs> so whilst you're rendered speechless by my uh, by my Star Wars porn parody title, I will move sw- I can't believe no one's thought of that before. Yes, yeah. I, I would imagine that film exists somewhere. Somewhere else. I there. would have thought, yeah. Uh, we'll get on with the email, which is from Nathaniel Wayne. Hey, Nathaniel. Hello, Leyland's. Did I do enough zeros, though? Do you think? I think so. Okay. Well, they're not zeros, are they? No, they're that would be O's. stupid. They're O's, not no. zeros. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or Omegas. Or Omegas, yeah. Always great to pop into my podcast and see a new Hey Kids comics has snuck in when I wasn't looking. Which is kind of how we do it nowadays, isn't it? It is, yeah. We just kind of release them when nobody's looking and hope that people are still like, actually listening. Podcast smart bombs. Yeah. Direct to you. We, hope we have not. our little podcast drones that fly <laughs> into your little square patch garden. Yes, exactly like Amazon. <laughs> That's exactly how we do it. It is. And, uh, we all... He came up with the designs first, but they patented it yeah. first. Bastards. Exactly. That's why we're not rich. That's why we have no money. And that's, um, hopefully, unlike Ryan Daly, everyone's not actually removed the little patch from the back garden, thinking we will never get any more Hey Kids Comics drones ever again. (laughs) And took that little patch and rolled it up and put it in the the shed with the rabbits and the cats and all the other stuff that no one ever uses anymore, like broken bikes and garden shears that are rusted and... Old porn mags. If we're going to keep it on this... You threw your porn mags into the back garden. Nobody has porn so mags that, anymore, so dude. the cats and the rabbits. No, nobody it. has. They've invented the internet. So you never go in the woods anymore and it's find dirty, soiled, wet porn mags under a tree. Two rocks that kind of look like a boob if you scream. Yeah, yeah. So you never do that anymore. Yeah. So. Anyway, Nathaniel's email continues. Loved your courage of the Dark Horse's first foray into the world of Star Wars, and it largely reaffirmed to me why I never got into the expanded universe. You both brought it. We did, we brought it. I scrolled down too much, though. You both brought it up a few times that the story had to basically negate the ending of Return of the Jedi, which was exactly why, as far as I was concerned, the Star Wars saga ended with that film. It was actually one of my major concerns going into The Force Awakens, as I discussed on the Dead Bothan Spies, Ryan Daly's precursor to Give Me Those Star Wars podcast. Hey, if he's not going to plug it properly, I suppose I have to pick up the slack. The Force Awakens actually managed to help this not be a problem for me with a couple of minor adjustments. First, it leapt forward in time significantly, meaning there must have been a time when the fighting was more or less over before the First Order came to power, and the idea that the fighting hasn't just been continuous since the end of Jedi matters to me. They earned at least a little piece. Secondly, the New Order was not the Empire. Yes, it grew out of the Empire, emulated the Empire, and probably was using some of the old resources of the Empire, but it was still a new entity that had to form and rise in the Empire's wake. This might seem nitpicky, but to me it's an important distinction. In The Force Awakens, the heroes are fighting a new threat with ties to the old one. In Dark Empire, they are literally fighting the same threat, so the story is just going, nope, you didn't win at all at the end of Jedi, look at the Emperor, he's even still alive, ha! And I hate that. I hate that it goes, eh, that happy ending you thought wasn't real. While I am able to swallow The Force Awakens going, they won, but there are other threats out there. I don't think you may have gone a little overboard trying to see how this story could still be adjusted to fit canon. The thing about the EU is that Disney isn't actually treating it all that differently from how Lucas did, as an idea bucket. The difference is Lucas himself only ever really cared about the movie, so he was fine to let the EU writers do whatever they want, with the understanding that he wasn't obligated to kowtow to their work when he made the new films. But because he was making prequels and most EU material was set after Jedi, there wasn't much headbutting to be had. In the case of Disney, they had to wipe out the EU, otherwise the only films they could make would be direct adaptations of stuff that already existed. I know some Thrawn fans would have preferred that, but I think most of us wanted truly new stories. So the EU doesn't count anymore, but we're still going to continually see ideas poached from it, because there were plenty of good ideas in it. It's a bit like the Marvel movies in that way. By and large, it's doing its own thing and not directly adapting specific storylines with any maintained integrity. But you can see what source material has been pulled from this to make this new thing. Well, since Nathaniel wrote this email to us, uh, the lag in between 
receiving it and recording this, it has been announced that Grand Admiral Thrawn is now going to be a part mm. of the new EU canon. Have you seen that? In Rebels. Mm. Admiral Thrawn is going to be in, in Rebels, voiced by Mads Mikkelsen's brother. Right, okay. And Mads Mikkelsen's in Rogue One. Right. So that's caused all kinds of conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. But Timothy Zahn is writing a new Star Wars novel called Thrawn, Set which inside. will be in the new yeah. EU continuity. So Grand Admiral Thrawn is sticking around for those people that liked Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm. I liked the Earth to the Empire trilogy, for the okay. most part. Never got into any of these other ones quite as much. Right. But I like that initial trilogy. You've never read them, have you? No. Thus killing that conversation. As dead as a stone. And seriously, given how much Robot Chicken has started running in place the last two seasons, you two should absolutely start writing their Star Wars parody material. Normally I get annoyed when those kind of tangents go on too long, but this was hilarious. Owen Michael, no cider? Seriously? Well, I guess if I'm ever out your way, I'll be drinking with your dad and you can stay at home with your gin and tonic. (laughs) You old dude. Yeah, yeah. my young apprentice. <laughs> Is that where it goes? It's that's exactly what I'm like. <laughs> when, when I'm at the bar, it's like, what what can I get you? A do you, do you ever try to do a Jedi mind trick so you don't pay? I've tried. It never really goes well. <laughs> do they just laugh at you? No, they give me the free drink out of pity. I think, but it's still a pity drink. <laughs> it's still free. Exactly. I, I will take pity over spending money any day of the week. And anything is free if you're fast enough. That's true. Um, keep it up, Nathaniel Wayne of the Council of Geeks and 90s Comics Retrial. Bet you thought I was going to forget to plug my own stuff, didn't you? Very sneaky. Mm. And I'm just going to point out at this point that the very week that we are recording this episode, I got to sit down and talk with Nathaniel for an episode of 90s Comics Retrial, which is probably out already because I don't think Nathaniel is as lax as we are (laughs) at getting these things out anymore. I think he maintains some semblance of regularity in his brand intake I, re- I remember those days do you what when we did this of, of week regularity yeah. Yeah. anyway thank you nathaniel for emailing um, do you think we went overboard trying to make that fit into continuity uh, i don't know i think it was more a case of we saw the opportunity to say this could still work with everything that we now know about the force awakens yeah and you know if you just refer to the kid as being little ben solo who mm. would become whatever his name is rilo ken Yes. Is that his name? Kylo Ren. It's, you're close, yeah. That's Spoonerismed him, didn't they? It is. I mean, if he'd been spooned more as a child, maybe he wouldn't have turned <laughs> to the dark side. Or maybe he was spooned too much. Yeah, that's very possible. Anyway, yeah, it was more a case of we saw the opportunity to say this could still fit. But as more and more novels come out, you know, it's less likely that yeah. it will be able to fit, won't it? Because, you know. They're filling in all yeah. those gaps. Yeah. Uh, Kook and Kryptonite is our next email, which is from the delightful Chris and Cindy Franklin. At what point does that become fraud? <laughs> We're giving you benefit of the doubt, Chris, as we do with every one of your emails. But, you know, I, I think Cindy needs to be contacted right. to let her know that Sunday emails into the show every week. Under her name. Under her name. Mm. I don't think Cindy listens to this drivel. Do you? I think she's got much better things to do with her time. <laughs> Listen to two northern chances talk about funny books. Anyway, Chris says, hello, Leyland. Hello, Christopher. I had no idea this existed. What, hey, kids comics? <laughs> we write every week, Chris. Unless it's Cindy every other week. Oh, cunning, yeah. All the others were from Cindy. This one's from Chris. Exactly. Mm. 
See where you're going with that. Now, given I've not stayed completely on top of modern comics since 2008 or so, this was new on me. As mentioned before, I struggle with Tim Sale's artwork. I admire and appreciate it, but visually it just doesn't click my buttons like it does for many folks. Darwin Cook's art lit up those buttons like a Christmas tree. So I'm with you in wishing that he'd drawn this story, even when I haven't really looked at much of it. This sounds like an interesting blend of many eras of Superman with the Living Kents, the Kryptonite Ring, and Superman Robot. I did find it interesting that Michael was hung upon the entity living in the Kryptonite, as opposed to actually being the Kryptonite, but I've been there. Sometimes there are things that just stick in your craw and nothing can shake them loose. If it doesn't work for you, it just doesn't. Comparing Cook to Bruce Tim is certainly valid, as I think they both influence one another as their art evolved. Cook worked for Tim on Batman and Batman Beyond, and there is certainly a similar aesthetic in both subject matter and artistic approach. Cook seemed to fully move into comics, whereas Tim just dabbles while still animating. And I feel Cook kind of filled that void that Tim left when his comics projects became, became few and far between. The example is right in front of the publishers and how you keep things classic whilst making them fresh and interesting. This applies to both creators equally. New Frontier is most definitely deserving of being included in the echelons of those perennial comics projects like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, and I prefer it to both of them. I've recently realised that I don't have that New Frontier special in my Absolute Edition either, so now I need the trade paperback. Great episode, as always, Chris. Well, it's probably a bit late to tell you this now, Chris, but that issue of New Frontier was in the 99 cents Darwin Cook sale. That coincidentally was happening the week that he died. Mm. So that's quite unfortunate. But it was in the if you managed to get it. Because it, it is great. It's got a brilliant Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman fight. Yes. That is actually better than the one that we got on screen. It is. Because it's Darwin Cook. Mm. So how could it not be better? Anyway, that's it for uh, emails for this week. Yeah, we've got, that's it. We're not being regular. We don't get regular emails. It's not as good, that is it? Anyway, we'll plug somebody's show. And uh, we'll be... Right back. After the theatrical cartoons, after the movie serials, a new medium helped define an icon for generations to come. The Adventures of Superman. Join Mike Zumo as the Man of Screen podcast enters the next phase with a year-long look at the 1950s television series, The Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves as Clark Kent and Superman. No comment until the time limit is up. Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane during Season 1. What are you afraid of? What are you hiding? And Noel Neal as Lois Lane starting in Season 2. Superman! What? Why did you wait? Jack Larson as Jimmy Olsen. Mr. Kent is Superman. John Hamilton as Perry White. Don't call me Chief! And Robert Shane as Inspector Henderson. I don't want excuses, I want action! So, follow along Mike and some possible guest hosts for an in-depth analysis of The Adventures of Superman, starting in June at supermanpodcastnetwork.com and manofscreen.podomatic.com. This is a job for Superman. I mean, I've got to find it. Let's be honest. Who really felt positive about DC Rebirth? I mean, really. DC had spent most of the past five years with the New 52 alienating older fans and not really grabbing new ones, at least not in sufficient quantity, a move that saw them plummet to third in the sales of new comics. This was first brought to light in an article by Brian Hibbs at Comic Book Resources, and had it just been him, DC could probably just have laughed it off. But it wasn't just Hibbs. 
Numerous other comics retailers voiced their concerns about DC's sales figures, with a few of them even saying that the most recent attempt to win back readers, the crossover series Convergence, couldn't even be given away for free. DC clearly had a problem. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. Jeff Johns has had a successful 25-issue run on Aquaman, actually succeeded in making that bland hunk of tuna interesting, and he had also kept up with Justice League, turning out a bombastic and action-packed series for almost every month for 51 issues. No mean feat in this day and age. Scott Snyder and Greg Kapoor had also hit a home run, both critically and commercially, with Batman, another lengthy run that sold in excess of 100,000 copies every month. Again, an admirable achievement in today's marketplace. Still, two titles alone cannot save a company. Certainly not one as large as DC. Something had to be done. DC immediately announced Rebirth following the news that their sales figures were in the toilet, and it was a chance to recapture what they'd lost and hopefully correct the attrition of their sales numbers. Fair play to DC, they said all the right things. Jeff Johns was announced as the head of this new start. Don't call it a reboot, he said, and even creative heads Dan DiDio and Jim Lee seem to be admitting to the mistakes of recent years, a mistake that made Marvel now look like a roaring success. However, I think we could be forgiven for being sceptical. DC had said the right things before and nothing had changed. The comics were still dreadful at worst, or, in my case, just not interesting at all. To be fair, Marvel hasn't moved very much better, but with Marvel there was a feeling that I just wasn't interested in what they were publishing. With DC, I was completely apathetic. There's a difference between not interested but acknowledging the books may be good and simply not curring one way or another. I even stopped looking at solicitations. But then, something happened. DC announced venerable titles Detective and Action Comics would be returning to their original numbering. The new direction for the books all sounded interesting, and, despite myself, I got interested again. I am, after all, an addict. So today, in a show we are calling Rebirth Roundup, you like that? Alliteration. Michael and I will be looking at a handful of DC Rebirth books and chewing over them, spitting them out, and then seeing if the dog laps them up. It's time to feel positive again. What was your feeling when this was announced? I didn't care. That was pretty much me as well, yeah. Because what's for we'll the We'll get fooled again. Yeah, for the past several few years after the, the disappointment of the New 52 sat in, something just faded and I just stopped caring about all these announcements. Mm. There's only so many times they can announce event, 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 reboot, reboot, reboot. Yeah, event fatigue. Yeah, before you just start getting bored. Marvel's now at that point. Yes. When you're having two events a year, they're not an event, are they? Mm-hmm. And by and large, when was the last time Marvel did an event that was good? Uh, I don't know. I don't. The Trumpet Civil War. Uh, the Secret Invasion. Was that good? It was very well set up and executed. Was it? Does that count as good? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That counts as good. But Civil War, like, Civil War's the one that they point to as being a, a massive sales success. But yeah. to quote Sick Boy, I don't rate that at all. <laughs> So that's just me. I, I honestly can't think of the last time. Annihilation. Was that a thing? Yes, and oh, regularly the, comes up yeah. on top ten the Marvel Thanos books. One. Yeah. yeah. So that seems to be the last time Marvel did a, Marvel successful, did a event. successful event that worked across the board. Yeah. Um, is anyone caring about Civil War 2? I don't, I don't know. I'm not seeing a lot of buzz about They've it. He's killed off the Hulk, haven't they? Spoilers. He'll get better. Well, he's not Bruce Banner Hulk, is he? Yeah, it's Bruce Banner they've killed. 
Oh, Amadeus was... Choi is now the Incredible Hulk. Right, okay. So, you know. We'll see. We'll see. I can't say that I'm interested in it. But... Well, he's going to come back in a new issue one next year, isn't he? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> Has that been confirmed or is that just your speculation? That's just my ah, cynical speculation, right. yeah. Uh, DC Universe Rebirth issue one, which launched this whole kit and caboodle, was a spanking $2.99, which is a good price for uh, is, whatever actually. this is. 50-page book? 48-page book? Yeah, Something of which like uh, Jeff Johns stated that if you don't like it... He would give you the money back. Then he'd, he'd give you the money back. And mm-hmm. at the midnight signing, Midtown Comics, he bought everyone uh, pizza. That's very nice of them. Yeah. What a lovely man. So, you know, you've got plenty of bang for this book. Did did, did anyone not like it? I've no idea. I actually was tempted to... not Because I, I, I quite enjoyed it, but I, I fancied testing his, his proposal. Yeah, but you didn't buy it. I did. He doesn't know that. All right. <laughs> Oh, what, are you unless, arguing? Unless, unless you're listening, Mr. Johns, in which case I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You could argue you bought the paper copy and, and I bought the digital, the digital copy. Because, yeah, you bought this digitally, didn't yes, you? Yes, for £1.99. Because uh, in your cynical state of mind, mm. you forgot that you pre-ordered it. I forgot it, that I'd pre-ordered it. I don't like it enough to have, have yeah. ordered it. I saw, and then I saw lots of reviews from people that I like and respect and trust. And I was like, all right, this may be worth reading. Yeah. And I went on eBay to actually buy a paper copy out. And they jacked all the prices up. Mm. It wasn't one ninety nine; It was going for five, seven, ten quid. Yes. And what am I like, really? Yeah, you refuse to pay. Uh, yeah, more. I'm a little stubborn bastard by and large. That's, that, yeah, so that's I dug meals. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> No respect for my offspring. Um, so I dug meals in and said, I'm not paying that. So I bought it for one ninety nine off Comixology. Yeah. Because Comixology doesn't run out of print. And That's Comixology true. doesn't jack the prices up either. And you don't have to get out of bed. That's very true. Oh, get off the toilet. As the case may be. That's true, Kevin Smith. Yeah, but then I remembered, like you said, I had actually pre-ordered it. Mm. So we've ended up with... So it didn't... Well, you can argue a case... It's buy it for a ten or three bill, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but you can argue a case that even buying the digital and pre-ordering the purple copper, I still paid less than they were selling it for on eBay. That's true. So, look at it that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're happy, aren't you? Well, I am. Yeah. And I like having them digitally now. I like just being able, yeah, I honestly do. I the like only... just being able to download them on my phone. When I'm, I was you know. reading them today, and I quite like it if you double tap on a panel, it'll zoom in on just that panel. Mm. That's quite I like, cool. I like guided view. But I still, mm, I still like holding a comic than your iPad. I do. These are true facts. But when you can't get to a comic store, like we can't, yeah. without going to some significant effort, and when the eBay stores have jacked all the prices up again because of Brexit... Whereas nothing's actually happened yet, so there is no reason to do that, but whatever. <laughs> then Comixology's a fine alter, because now the Comixology is now 60, just under 60 pence cheaper right. per issue mm. than it is to buy paper copies from an eBay shop. There, now, I did notice when I was in London last week at Orbital Comics, they'd not put the prices up yet. Right, okay. Which I thought was interesting. Mm. So whether or not it's going to, whether or not most brick and mortar stores are going to try and maintain that. Yeah. To All try and change it all yeah. today. Because it can't just be me who will say, I can't afford that. Yeah. And back off. And bricks and mortar stores, it will hit them. It'll hit them quite heavily. Yeah. So I think they're doing a smart thing there of trying to keep the price as low as possible for as long as possible mm. and see what happens. Anyway, DC Universe Rebirth 1 was, as we say, written by Jeff Johns. Uh, 80 page giant so we should just read me notes drawn by a variety of artists including Phil Jimenez Ethan Van Skyver and Gary Frank who also provided the cover Ivan Rice was something to do with this Dan Prado 
Some of those names I don't know. You, you're probably smarter at it than me. Uh, the cover's Wraparound, which is always nice. It is. I always like a good wraparound cover. Uh, the DC pantheon of heroes reach for a hand from out a lightning bolt. It bears a startling resemblance to Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. Yes. On the reprint, isn't the hand clearer? Is it? Because they subsequently reprinted this as a square-bound bookshelf edition for like five ninety-nine. Mm. Well done, DC. <laughs> Very cunning. See what they did there. And I think they lightened up the art though, so that the hand was clearer. Yeah, because it's it's. Uh, mirroring the creation of man mm. and the creation of this universe. Yeah, it's interesting who makes the cover. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman at the forefront, obviously, in the, the Flash because he's got his own TV show. Despite the Flash's, uh, the yeah. Flash being the main character in this. Yes, and uh, then Green Lantern, Aquaman, Supergirl, Batgirl, Starfire, Green Arrow, Cyborg, and Jones, the Martian Manhunter. It's it's pretty much just people who've had a costume redesign, isn't it? Pretty much. Captain Marvel slash Shazam and the female Green Lantern, Jessica... Cruz. Cruz, thank yeah. you very much. So they're the ones that made the cover. No, yeah, yeah, Hal Jordan is, though. Yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. The two Green Lanterns Yeah. made the cover. What do you think of the cover? Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's It's got nice mirroring and symbolism to mm. it. Jeff, uh, Gary Frank has increased his art, improved his art significantly of late, hasn't he? He has, He's yeah. gone back to being... The Gary Frank who started out who was really good. Not the Gary Frank who wants to draw Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Yeah, because that Superman, that's not Chris Reeve, is it? No. So that's that's quite good. I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Uh, about Rebirth, Johns has said, it's about focusing in on the core of the character and their respective universe. It brings back what has been lost. The legacy of the characters, the love and the hope of the DCU. Shall we see? Isn't that just what Jeff Johns does in everything, though? Yes. Yes, because that, 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 that's why I said you would be forgiven for being cynical. Isn't this this rebirth called rebirth because it's mirroring Jeff Johns' flashing Green Lantern rebirth? Yes. Grass, grass, grass rebirth? Yeah. <laughs> Green Lantern and Flash, which becomes Grash for some reason. Grass when, rebirth. When you, when you ship them together. Yeah, Grass rebirth was very successful. So yeah. DC rebirth signifies a link so to those DC two projects. onto anything that's successful, well, including a name. One could argue that at this point they had to. They were tanking. That's Irrespective fine. of whether you're one of those people who was very much enjoying the new 52 or not, the sales figures speak for themselves. Well, they were tanking because of their desperation. Yeah. Convergence didn't do anything. Superman's not been doing anything. Superman's not been doing anything. Again... Sales-wise, creatively, you lovely listener out there may have been enjoying those books, mm. but the sales figures tell a different story. And DC can't afford to be third in the comic book retailer mark in the comic book company sales figures, can they? Really, yeah. they want to be number one. Yeah. And Rebirth has, has have they achieved that with Rebirth? I know it's been successful so far. Yeah. Is it doing better than Marvel, or are Marvel still on the crest of a wave because of Star Wars? Well, uh, Marvel also. Uh... Just in the limbo at the moment with Civil War. Too. Well, that, but like every single title at Marvel seems to get doesn't get past twelve issues. That's true. By and large, I mean, I'm quite surprised that Star Wars got to issue twenty one and they're not renumbered. Mm. So we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, the synopsis for this particular issue. In the wake of the death of Superman, time seems to be collapsing. Batman discovers there are at least three Jokers at large, all the same but decidedly different. From out the Speed Force, Wally West appears. 
our Wally West, not the new guy. He's dressed in his old Kid Flash costume and trying to make contact with the people of this reality. Batman doesn't recognise him, but Wally manages to warn Batman that the letter he received from Thomas Wayne back in the DC event, Flashpoint, is the key to all of this. Unable to solidify his grip on this reality, Wally is pulled back into the Speed Force, leaving Batman with a mystery to solve. Wally's next stop is an elderly man in a nursing home, Johnny Thunder. Wally tells him he will be needed again, and he is to find the Justice Society before disappearing. Across the universe, Maggie Sawyer arrests someone who is in possession of a Legion flight ring. Ryan Choi discovers that Professor Ray Palmer, the Atom, is in the Microverse, presumably not the one of Doctor Doom, and that only Ryan can save mankind, despite being a bit of a lost cause. Jamie Reyes and Ted Cord are building a better Blue Beetle with the help of Doctor Fate, who tells Ted that the Blue Beetle Scarab is magic. Robin turns 13, Jessica Cruz is a new Green Lantern, and a new kid named Jackson discovers power beyond imagining. Pandora, the purple hooded girl who seemed to kick all this New 52 malarkey off, is blown up. Back with Wally, events of this earth are starting to bug him. A dead Superman, an Ollie and Dinah that never were, a Superman who doesn't belong here. This Superman is married to Lois, another relationship that now never was, and they have a child. They seem aware of what is happening, and a new figure called Mr. Oz tells Superman that he and his family are not what they appear to be, and neither is the dead Superman. It's not all bad. Aquaman proposes to Mera. Wally continues his quest, bopping in and out of the Speed Force. His anchor was his wife, Linda Park, but here she has no idea who he is. This frayed tether to the world breaks, and Wally finds himself becoming one with the Speed Force, a fate he accepts gladly as each second was good. He sees this universe's Wally, a young kid with great potential, and he wishes him well as he dissipates. His final stop is Barry Allen. As he breaks down into pure Speed Force energy, he tells a Barry Allen that never knew him that he goes with love in his heart and thanks him for a great life. As he starts to fade away forever, Barry reaches out and grabs Wally, yanking him free of the Speed Force. Wally is back. Barry breaks down that he ever forgot Wally, and Wally says that all has not been forgotten. This wasn't Darkseid or Reverse Flash or anyone that they know. This was something new, and they did this for a reason. The war between hope and despair, love and apathy, faith and disbelief is coming. They are being watched. In the cave, Batman examines the letter from his father. A glint from deep within the cave catches his eye, and he digs it out of a cave wall. A smiley face badge with a bloodstain on it. Ooh. Watchman. Yes. Very good. Uh, Linda, being Wally's way home from wherever he may be, was actually a major part of John's flash run. That was how he was always find his way home. Right, yeah. He'd find his way to Linda. Have you read his Flash run? Uh, not, not his Wally West stuff. No. It's very, very good. Mm. I got it all out the cheapy bins. Yeah. Now it's worth tons of money because Flash has a TV show. That's true. Same thing happened with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Got them all out the cheap bins apart from four issues that I don't have. Right. And now issue one's like forty quid. Yeah. Is, we... that, is that issue one that comes out next week? No, the issue one from nineteen eighty-seven. Right. Eighty-eight. Right. Yeah. The original issue one. Yeah. If that was... There was a Suicide Squad title before that? I don't remember. doesn't really matter. Wasn't the... Su the Suicide Squad the World War Two group? No, that's the Justice Society, isn't no, it? No, no, no. The, the Losers. Losers. The Losers. The Losers. That's right, yeah. yeah. Who are the Suicide Squad? Mm. 
Pretty much, yeah. Um, excellent <laughs> opening with the watch, which signifies the passage of time. But and the nine-panel grid. And the nine-panel grid, which harkens back to... Uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Um, this takes place after Justice League 50 and Superman issue 52. It says here, so read those first. Was Justice League 50 out when this came out? I've no idea. I've not, because wasn't that heavily delayed? Yeah. And which did, is, which did is they end why... up publishing 52 issues of Justice League? Yeah, did post they? this. Right. With the last two by a different creative team. Right. Because despite coming out a month before every other book, uh, only Superman... Well, every other title managed to get to 52 and Justice League didn't. So it did eventually manage to get that. Oh, yeah, it got to 52 right. two months after this came out. Right. Yeah, okay. I like the opening. I think the opening's good. So the watch, the passage of time, lost time with the... Um, the watch stopping. Van Skeever. The corrosion of it. And then there's the corrosion the of it. world falling apart. Yeah. Symbolism, Symbolism. Which you're very, very big on, aren't you? <laughs> I am, yeah. In your storytelling. Uh, Van Skyver opens the, the issue up. It's his art. And he does an excellent job with the different jokers. Yes. Um, mimicking other artists. That's definitely a Bill Finger joker in the first two panels then it's brian bolland and then it's greg capullo and then greg capullo yeah it's it's unsurprising that he would do brian bolland's joker because i think ethan van skyver owes a lot to brian bolland yes doesn't he mm. um but the whole three joker thing yeah that's silly let's be honest <laughs> it's comics man i know it's it, but it's very definitely a lot of this seems it's a, it's a brave issue, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, of, of going out the back door. And so Joker sells a lot, so let's make three of him. Yeah, but it's not like he has any real burring on the story. This is a Flash it's, story, isn't it? Yeah, it's true, but the, the, the revelation that there's three Jokers is very definitely a, a what the kind of mm. surprise, give me all your sales tactic. I, I kind of disagree because I think it's that but for Batman. Okay. I think as the audience, we know what's going on here. Right. If Especially if you've read Flashpoint. Mm. But So I think that that is true from the point of view of the character in the story. Why are the three Jokers? I think we've been here before. Yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is very definite. Could you argue a case that you could skip straight from Flashpoint to this? Um. With maybe a couple of seminal... Yeah, New 52 stories this, in there. This is a sequel to Flashpoint. I think which so. Which is, again, there's a bit of a problem with it, is the, the Superman mm. says he's from another world. Mm. Okay, and he exists. He's from another But Flashpoint wasn't a change in worlds, like Christ and Infinite Earths was, or Infinite Crisis, or any of that. It was a change in the timeline. Mm. A timeline on the same Earth. So it didn't create an alternate timeline. It altered time. Yes. Right. Okay, well, it'll be interesting if they address that, mm. or if they're just going to ignore it. Yeah. For the sake of expediency. Uh, Batman's new costume. What do you think of Batman's new costume? I like it. I like the bat. I'm not sure about the big belt. Though. I hate that belt. But from what I've read in, in the other Batman stuff, he doesn't have that belt. Or at least I can't notice it. Let's have a say. Let's just have a, a quick look forward to Batman Rebirth. We're, uh, are we going to get a panel with Batman anyway? Yeah, he's in the first one. Is he? Yeah, you just flip backwards. So I have. It's a much smaller belt. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's just the way Skeever draws it, I guess. Yeah, well, Van Skeever draws it as if it, it's going to dig into his nads every time he moves. And especially yeah. the ribs. Yeah. He bends over in that. He's going to hurt his ribs and he's going to cut himself. It's a very silly belt. <laughs> it is. One can only imagine that he thinks it looks cool 
The first <laughs> night that he goes out in it, he's going to go, oh, I'm not wearing this again. Unless it's secretly a back support. It looks really heavy, though. It's... Mm, well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it probably pulls his pants down, not keep them up. <laughs> Is it not an all-in-one, though? It's, oh, yeah, it's a jumpsuit, yeah. Yeah, so it's not. It's, it's um, What's his name? Yeah. You know when you go to Asda and you right. buy one of those all-in-one, what are they called? Overalls so, yeah. that you paint with. No, no, that you have Batman and Superman on. Oh, right, the onesies. Yeah, the onesies. <laughs> That's a Batman onesie. He bought it from Walmart. <laughs> he's just made some minor modifications. <laughs> yeah. He's got a proper cape and cowl and belt. To but... stand out from the crowd, he's put a, a, sil- a, a yellow lining around his back. <laughs> In crayon. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks his costume needs some colour. He thinks it looks like one of them craning books that's out for adults now. <laughs> Art therapy. Yes. And uh, he's decided... The Batman put, page is just yeah. left because it's complete. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you, somebody the did Ren that. The Kylo Ren one. They just colored the lightsaber in and they were done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that did tickle me. Um, I did want to wonder, Wally bounces around the Speed Force. I've got absolutely no problem with the art in this section. I think the art's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Van Skyver. Pity he, as a person, isn't as nice as his art, but whatever. Um... Why did he not just go to Barry first? Uh, I don't know. I guess everyone goes to Batman first because he's the smart guy. Well, the only explanation that I could come up with, um, he mentions that he's not been able to find Linda, which is fine, because that's normally his tether. But he clearly has a better connection to Barry Allen than he does to Bruce Wayne. Mm. Now, the the only no prize or hand wave or whatever you want to call it that I could come up with for this is that the note from Thomas Wayne that he gave to Batman in Flashpoint is the focal point. Yeah. And so that is what's made him go to Batman first. That's been quite... The letters popped up quite a few times throughout the New 52... And it's, it's Has it played any part in Capullo and Snyder's run? No, it's never right. mentioned. It's a Justice League. It's a Jeff Johns thing, isn't it? Right. Uh, it's been popped a few times in Justice League, but it's never been addressed directly until this. Right. So it's it's interesting to think whether Johns had this planned. Do you think he had a back door just in case New 52 this didn't is work? This the back door. Yeah. Because well, that's what you said earlier on, yeah, Even with... So the New 52, it was... It, it, a brave new start but it wasn't brave enough it wasn't a fresh start at all there was still the continuations from before flashpoint hmm. and so this is that back door because we're now getting elements from pre flashpoint yeah so this to me whilst it does seem to be a brave thing cuz it's all new and it's all dynamic and all that it's still quite a cowardly thing to do i don't i don't agree that it's cowardly i think it's more a case of course correction I think the heart was in the right place with the new 52. Mm. I think that we have, as readers, have spoke with our money. And we said, we're not interested in this very dark DC universe. DC, though, haven't been respected since the new 52. No, I think that's a part of it. I think think it backfired on them. Yeah, but I think they'd be respected a bit more if Superman lost sales because of how they were just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing if it would stick. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's an act of desperation. So if they'd actually done something and then stuck to the guns rather than saying Green Lantern's a continuation, Batman's a continuation, just fresh start and then stick to their guns. Mm -mm. But they didn't. Everything, they had backdoor plans. Do you think then that it was too little too late with Superman though? Had they done with Superman what they did with Batman, 
yeah. is a creative team, a solid creative team. Because let's not forget, Snyder and Capullo weren't fan favourites when they started Batman. No, and not even to the, Yeah, they built up, they paid the dues mm. working on other books. Yeah. But they weren't fan favourite creative team when they were put on Batman. Mm. And they were allowed to tell their Batman story and they were rewarded with high sales figures. Yeah. Because the work they were doing was good. Yes. Had they done that with Superman? Well, Superman, they didn't have that, did they? No. They had, they had Grant and Rags Morales. Yeah, so that was what action, uh, action point selling point, but nobody expected Morrison to do a long run. Hmm. Oh, we did on Justice League. and Yeah, but no one expected it of him for the new Superman. Right. He had a story he wanted to tell, and he told it, and then he moved on. Right. And so that's when Action Comics failed, when they announced Morrison as the writer, because... There's no, uh, hmm. they they had no selling points after Morrison, right. and with Superman even from the start, it was George Perez and Nicholas Scott, yeah, which excited no one, which and then and lasted then, six issues, yeah, and then just more and more creative teams in a desperate attempt, even uh, Jeff Johns and John, and John Jr. Jr. was couldn't, the, the couldn't final cause correct Superman, yeah, right. Okay, so, all right, fair enough. Um, nice nod to Flashpoint, though, on that panel on whatever page that's on. And Flash Rebirth before it. And Flash Rebirth before it, yeah. Am I the only one who's a bit bored with the Speed Force and how... I've, I'm on record on this show of never liking the Speed Force. Okay. I got hauled over the coals for that in a Since, lot of cases, but, yeah. you know. So, the Flash, Barry Allen and the yes. Speed Force have been pretty much front and centre since Final Crisis and the return of Barry Allen. Yes. And then you got Flash Rebirth. Yeah. And then you got a uh, flashpoint. Yeah. And now you've got this. Yeah. At what point do you tell the flashes to just stop? Because <laughs> everything that happens with the multiple is worlds a and the, of the speed is force. the speed force. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's the concern. Professor that. Zoom showed up. Flash just let the Justice League sort it. Yeah. Well, the, the TV show as well has just done flashpoint. Yeah. Barry Allen has just gone back in time and stopped his mum from being murdered. And he's created a flashpoint yeah, that apparently is going to affect the other shows. Right. It's going to affect Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, and Supergirl. Because right. I'm wondering if that's how they're going to make it that now Supergirl is in the same universe. Yeah, because like messing around with the flashpoint. Yeah. So anyway, we'll we'll see when those shows come back because uh, that was quite good. I did like that he, he went and saw Cyborg and Nightwing mm. because I'm an old school Teen Titans fan, by which I mean Wolfman and Perez. Yeah. So I'm middle school Teen Titans fan. <laughs> Old school like the sixties Bob Haney stuff, don't I? Mm. So I'm I'm in Wolfman and Perez era. Uh, Gary Frank's Blue Beetle stuff's fun. Mm. Which is is uh, I like Ted Code, I kinda like that he's back. Yeah, we've got Ted Code back, yeah. Yeah, but you've also got the other guy. Is that Jamie Reyes? Yeah, so you've got uh, a nice mix of the two characters there. Mm. So it's it's keeping everyone happy, I guess. Yeah. And you've got the two new Green Lanterns. Jackson and Jessica. That's yeah. right. Jessica Cruz and Jackson. What's his? What's his name? I don't know. I don't. I don't know them and, well. And I thought it was back. Simon Baz was the other well, Green Simon Lantern. Simon Baz is buggered off. He's not been. Has he, he not? He's not been a thing since Justice League of America. Oh, all right. I'll take your word for it. So is this Jackson guy the new Green Lantern? I don't know. No, I was a bit confused by that. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And it's a bit of a lapse on John's writing that he doesn't actually tell us who he is. Oh, or is why he he's not... important. Is he not oh, uh, in Brightest Day? In Blackest Night. Introduced a new Aqualad. Is that who that is? I, it could be, but I've no idea. I've not a clue. They don't explain to me who he is. I mean, at least the Jessica girl, they don't tell me her name in this, but at least she's wearing a Green Lantern outfit. Well, plus she's been front and centre for the past year. 
Oh, yeah. Is Jessica the one who betrayed... No, that was no. the Atom, wasn't it? Who betrayed yeah. them in Trinity She's, War. She's uh, Forever Evil, powering. Right, yeah. It she is. Her. Yeah. Yeah, she's in Forever Evil. Yeah. Right, so at the back of my head, I did remember who she was then. Mm. All right, but the fact that she's wearing a Green Lantern costume clues you in that she's a Green Lantern. Yeah. Even this... if they don't say who they are, a yeah. costume would be nice. Yeah, it's like, okay, she's a Green Lantern. All right, I can go with that. The, I don't get, I don't know who Jackson is. Yeah. I don't know why I should care about him or why he's important. Mm. These two panels don't tell me who he is or what he's doing. Yeah. Or why, if this is a brand new rebirth, not don't call it a rebirth. You shouldn't know who it is. At the very least, I would have expected a, a line or a caption or something just giving me at least a, a modicum of an idea of who he is. Mm. I don't think that's out of place. Yeah. And I do think that a lot of comics nowadays take for granted that you're just going to Google this guy. Well, mm. like, no, because yeah. I was reading this at work on my phone. But also, if you are going to Google it, what are you going to say? Rebirth, <laughs> Rebirth, Jackson. who's this Jackson bloke? Yeah. <laughs> so all I can think of is Aqualad from Brightest Day because he popped up, was important, and then disappeared. And he is looking in a fish tank. Uh, yeah. So, so that would kind and of. And he's a Jeff Johns creation, so that... maybe he's. I think you're right then. I um, think he's something to do with that. There's Damien, and I still don't like Damien being back. No, you're not a fan of that, are you? Because no. you think Morrison came and told his story and then should have been left alone. Damien was created to die, and then by bringing him back, not only are you diluting that, mm. but it's. Well, you're diluting that, I guess. I don't yeah, know. no, no, I think I, I think you're right. And then we've got the Pandora piece. So is that the end of the Pandora mystery? Yeah, she remember, just remember, blows up. Yeah, remember when she was important? I, I do recall when Pandora was important, yeah. But also that page is a um, panel-for-panel recreation of the death of Rorschach. So it is. At the hands of Miss Dr. Manhattan. Right, so you think Dr. Manhattan's just killed Pandora? Oh, he has it. Right. Fair that's, enough. that's all the, the signposts in this, isn't it? Yeah. Because at the end of the, the Before Watchmen miniseries, mm. remember when that was a thing? I do. It ends with him saying he's going to create a new universe. Right. Similar to what he says at the end of Watchmen. Right. So okay. this is that universe he creates. Very good. So you spotted that. Yeah. I didn't and go also to the Watchmen connection. It's, you know, they're doing this whole new rebirth, so let's kill off the new 52. So let's kill off what created the new 52. So by killing Pandora off, we are symbolically executing the new 52. Yes. In a far greater way than killing Superman. Yeah, at the hands of the new creator of Mm. the new universe. Right. Very good. You like stuff like that, do This is why I have you in. (laughs) You spot all that stuff. Ivan Rice takes over for the artwork for the next page, which is people mourning the death of Superman. Nice, nice chapter. I do like Superman with a beard. Yeah. And I like the his kiss lumberjack Superman. Yes, Lumberjack Superman. Because that just fits, doesn't it? Yeah. So, right, question. Is this... So we've not read the Lois and Clark miniseries. No. Let's establish that straight up. I'm waiting for a sale on Comixology. Right. You know when this came out, they did a 99 cent 69p sale on lots of New 52 stuff. Yeah, including I was, the I was expecting the Lois and Clark miniseries. Right. I didn't get it. Right. Had that hit Comixology for 69p an issue, mm. I'd have bought them all. Was it one of those things like, remember when New 52 and Nightwing, mm. and after like half a year it turned out, oh, this was a, a secret crossover mm. with Batman, and the same with Swamp Thing and Alman. Su- Is that what this was? The yeah. Lois and Clark was just the a Lois secret and Clark crossover. The miniseries was a, a, was a, was a backdoor right. into this. Yeah. yeah. See, at the time that it came out, they didn't announce that, and everyone was like, all right, they're just... They're just Making the fans who like married Superman happy by yeah. giving us a separate miniseries in a separate reality where Superman and Lois are still married the, the and they have a child. Superman. Yeah, essentially. And then it's stealth right. integrated itself into regular continuity. Yeah. So because it, oh, that's a bit of a 
I see. I don't mind it. I, I don't suppose. mind it, but it's like before. So before Watchmen, Doctor Manhattan, right? Yeah. Tanked. They yes. gave away free copies. Yeah. As soon as the leaks for this came out, it skyrocketed in sales. Did it? Yeah. Right. So let's say Lewis and Clark didn't tank or anything, but it, it had a steady. Mm. Uh, so then when this happens, you, you've got people rushing back to get those copies and then you're boosting those sales. It's a good idea. I suppose. That's what DC's after doing with But this. by doing that, aren't you limiting the amount of people who will buy those comics? No, because they'll trade it. I suppose. And they'll probably put a, a blurb on rebirth. it. Yeah, before Rebirth kind of thing. Because I am intrigued to read it now because the questions I've got with this is, so there were two Supermans, Clark Kent's, Kal-El's, whatever. Hmm in the Flashpoint, post-Flashpoint New 52 universe. And he's now referred to as the pre-Flashpoint Superman. Yeah. Isn't it post-Crisis Superman, really? I suppose. Well, this Flashpoint is this generation's crisis. Yeah, though, Flashpoint it? is now the Flashpoint for what's gone on. It's the, the focal point in time for yeah. all this that has happened. So, all right, the Superman's died. So he's, he's a bit older. Mm. He's at least 10 years older than New 52 Superman, yeah, right? He's, he's our Superman. Yeah. So, is there now two Lois Lanes yeah. well, we've in seen this universe? Yeah. No, we haven't read... We have now. Right, yeah. <laughs> Go with me on this. Okay, all right, okay. As of this comic, there's now two Lois Lanes. Yes. What are they going to do with that? I don't know. Which one of them's going to be Superwoman? I don't know. Oh, um... Oh, yeah. See? That's what's intriguing me more about all of this. It's the Lois stuff. So there's yeah. now two Lois Lanes. And one of them is Superwoman. And one of them's going to be Superwoman. That's, that's not out yet, as we're recording this. So is that the Phil Jimenez stuff? Yeah. Right, so that's... And she's blonde. Oh, or maybe it's not going to be Lois. Or a wig. Possibly. No, because we know it's going to be Lois. You it's, think? We've been told. Oh, all right. Well, I didn't know that. Right, okay. I mean, I think I may have sent a blurb about it. So and I'm then right. there's this, this important Mr. Oz... Yes, well, I'm he sure there was up. a Superman villain called Mr. Oz post-Crisis. Right. Mike Bailey know that better than well, I was, but I'm sure there was. He popped up in the Jeff Johns, yeah. John Romita Superman. Right. And Oz, Ozymandias. Yeah. He was, we see him watching all the TVs on the big monitor. Right. Like Ozymandias. Yeah. So if, you know, they're bringing back Watchmen, that might be what they're doing with it. All right. Ivan Reese artwork's lovely. It's, it's Aquaman as well. Uh, there is no bigger statement that the New 52 is gone here than Aquaman proposing to Mera. Hmm. Who would have thought that that would have had such significance after Dan DiDio was like, no marriage, there yeah. will be no marriage, no marriage at all. Hmm. And then suddenly you've got Aquaman proposing to Mera and well, you're like, New 52 is gone. DiDio wins because, you know, they're still young and sexy and under 20. Oh yeah, they're still, <laughs> well, I, I get the impression Aquaman's supposed to be at least 28. Right, yeah, okay. But yeah, they're still young and sexy. Mm. But, you know, it's kind of what it is, isn't it? Uh, Wally does uh, Flashpoint very definitely happened when he tracks down Linda Park. Time was stolen and the heroes became novices and relationships were shattered. A darkness took over, but it's been there for a long time. Mm. Those are the words he actually uses. Is Jeff Johns taking sly digs at Didier? I Well... See, this is the thing, isn't it? On the one hand, this is commentary about DC Comics generally. Mm. And yeah, a little bit of a dig at Dan DiDio, possibly the feeling that they've been getting darker and more unpleasant. However, pinning this all on the New 52, or Watchmen, or Killing Joke, both of which are referenced, yeah. it, that's not really fair. DC's had some dark moments in the past decade, mm. and post-crisis, and through the 90s. But the, the feeling of nasty 
that sometimes you needed a wash after reading this stuff was only after the turn of the century when Dan DiDio took over. Well, that isn't that what he was trying to address in Infinite Crisis. He's just treading on similar ground here. Well, that was that was a, a, a complaint about this that I had that it was there's nothing new in this. Jeff Johns has said all of this before, and he's responsible himself for a lot of dark stuff. Yeah, Blackest Night's not you know. Sunshine and Roses, is I it? think Blackest Night is... Necrophilia? It's To me, Blackest Night is an exception because it's not trying to be that kind of dark, broody story. It's it's essentially a B-list zombie film. Mm. So I think the Blackest Night is different from, say, uh, the dark side slavery in Final Crisis. Right. Because that's not... Tri- that, Final Crisis is trying to be a very important story, whereas I don't think Blackest Night takes Blackest itself... Night has become important after the fact. Yeah, but it's not it's not taking itself seriously as that. It's just a zombie story. I think that necrophilia may have crossed a line. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, what I'm saying is to lay this all at the feet of Watchmen and Killing Joke of, yeah. isn't fair. But isn't that where they started? Pretty much, yeah. I do like that homage to Crisis on Infinite Earths, though. Yeah. The shot of Kid Flash reaching out is Barry Allen's pose from the crisis. Mm. So that was neat. I did also like his reaction to the new Wally West. Yeah. That was really quite sweet. Go on, Kid, you're Wally West now. I thought that was really Because he's now... We've just been given the sucker punch, haven't we? Yeah. We're thinking he's going to get to Linda, everything's going to be right, and she doesn't know who he is. Well... And no one was expecting that, including Wally. I also think he's playing the Ted Cord card here. Right. He did that issue prelude to Infinite Crisis, wasn't it? Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Yeah, Countdown was a thing, wasn't it? And Ted Cord was the hero of that piece, and then the last page he gets his brains blown out Mm. by Maxwell Lord. I think we thought, as readers, that he was going to do the same here. He's brought back Wally West. Yeah. He's dangling him underneath our oh, nose. Oh, because they really pad out his yeah. final words, yeah. don't they? To then yank him away from us and kill him. Yeah. I honestly thought, because that's what I thought he was going to do. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen. So I think that he's doing that deliberately. He's making us think that he's going to kill Wally. He's doing the reverse of what he did. With Ted Infinite Code. Crisis, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought, anyway. Um, I don't know enough about Johnny Thunder and I don't really care about the Legion, to know the importance of the moments between those two, like when he goes and visits Johnny Thunder in the old folks' home. I liked that, but only because I remember Johnny Thunder from Morrison's JLA. Right, okay. Well, see, I probably do at the back of my head somewhere. Uh, Nice to see Maggie Sawyer again, though. Yeah. I always liked Maggie Sawyer when she was in the Superman books. And then she went over and worked in Gotham for a bit, didn't she? Right. Didn't she get promoted to Gotham? Mm. Something like that. So she was in the Batman books for a bit. Again, I liked the Atom Blue Beetle stuff, although I'm only partially familiar with the those characters and that Green Lantern, not this version yeah. of these characters. A nice uh, a recap of the Black Canary-Green Arrow relationship as well. Yeah. What where he mentions they should be together. Yeah. And every now and again they'll look at each other and yeah. be like, eh, we lost something. Mm. and But they don't actually know what it is. Uh, but Linda not knowing who Wally is was quite heart-wrenching. Because especially if you've read the John's Flash stuff, that, like I said, that's always what he used to get back from the Speed Force, his connection yeah. with Linda. So that was quite quite gut-wrenching. Excellent job. Excellent writing job from, Je- uh, from Jeff Johns. You are right. He drags Wally's death out one, two, three... Four, nearly five pages. Yeah. But it doesn't feel dragged out. It feels 
dramatic and earned. And yeah, well, because you just had the Linda moment. Yeah. You? So this is the despair moment. Yeah, and so uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's dragged out, even though it's five pages. Even long. though it definitely is. Oh yeah, it definitely. But it works, doesn't it? Yeah, it and there's works. a lot of there's a lot of coloring on that page. Uh, it's just lightning know. strikes. It's lovely coloring, though. It must be. If you're a, an artist, right? Yeah. It must be such a good thing to read the script and say this panel takes place in the in the Speed Force because <laughs> then all you have to do is a bunch of squiggly lines. Uh, yeah, the colorist will handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the colorist's worst nightmare. Yeah. Uh, Wally West bearing a startling resemblance in these. Is this Ivan Rice? No, this is Jimenez. Is this Jimenez? Yeah. Oh well, that I, I was just about to say bearing a startling resemblance to George Perez's work. Yeah. On New Teen Titans. But it's Phil Jimenez, so... Are they not doing that subtle thing where they're, they're trying to capture certain moments through DC history? Possibly. Of the brighter period. Yeah, very possibly. So, Flash and Wally hugging each other's lovely. Mm. And him, him explaining everything. So, is this is very definitely going to be a Flash story again, then, isn't it? Like Flashpoint yeah, was. Yeah. And, and is that just because Jeff Johns, Flash, is his favourite character? Him and Green Lantern. Yeah. Well, I, I did, Green Lantern's barely in this. Yeah. So I think this is very definitely a Flash story. Uh, when Batman finds the Watchman badge at the end, that caused a mini meltdown on the internet. It did, and it leaked before the issue came out. Yeah. Because, well, you think that was on purpose? I think it was well, on purpose. Well, I'll be honest, I had no interest in this until I saw the spoilers, because it's one of those spoilers are out, and I thought, I don't care. Hmm. I'll look at them. And I thought, interesting. I'll yeah. give it a read. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Um, I really like the epilogue as well. I didn't care I, about the badge because I don't care about Watchmen, but no, go on. But it's, so I don't care much about Watchmen, mm. it, but it's a part of this now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, but the mini meltdown was it shouldn't be, whereas I was like, so what? Well, I've got opinions on it, but we'll get to that. <laughs> All right, okay. But, so this was, I thought this was quite cool because it's the Earth mm. and um, it pans out Yeah. and suddenly you're on Mars where we last saw Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. The watch is, is on Mars. rebuilt and it's mm. the clock. And the lettering changes to um, Doctor Manhattan's speech from the end of Watchmen yeah. in that same in his style. Yeah. And I thought that's that's a really kind of clever Callback. and subtle way that lets the art breathe and tell it to you. Because yeah. if you don't get it, then you don't get it. Fine, whatever. Mm. But if you but know, if you do, yeah, if you know that's the end of Watchmen, yeah, it's a it's a really nice ending. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care. No, I don't. I don't. I, do. I don't care about that. They've brought Watchmen into the fabric of the DC universe. Yeah. Well, just before this hit, one of my friends at uni asked me what did I think of it, mm. and I said that because they just announced for the thirtieth anniversary they're releasing new Watchmen sets. They're releasing each individual issue as a hardcover for one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And In a bookshelf slipcase. Yeah. And they're doing it with Dark Knight as well. Yeah. Yeah. But so I thought it makes perfect sense. Hmm. DC want to be back on top again. Yep. DC won the sales again, and Watchmen, three decades since its initial release, is still the most popular, yeah. successful uh, way that DC are continually getting money in. Yep. It makes, and they're not doing anything with it. No, they just keep reprinting it. I mean, uh, oh right, you're not doing anything with that property. Yeah. Right, I get. I it. mean, uh, the Dark Knight, not Dark Knight, before Watchmen tanked. Hmm. And that was his own thing. So to incorporate the most se- successful copyright mm. into the main universe makes perfect sense. As From a, a business a, as a point, business of, view, point yeah. of view, yeah. Yeah, all right. No, I, I agree with you. Because now people are going to buy anything with Rorschach on it. He yeah. will, he's just as successful as, say, the Joker is. Yeah. 
Yes, well, in his own way, he is, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So All does right. he now own Rorschach and the Joker in the same universe? Can you... Oh. <laughs> as long as Brian Azzarello doesn't write it, <laughs> yeah. we're cool yeah. with that happening. Because that would be quite cool, wouldn't mm. it? Don't, dear Dan. <laughs> if you're listening. Azzarello. Just saying. Um, you know, we were sceptical about this. I think we've made yeah. no secret of that. But the best thing about this is that splash page. Double page spread. At yeah, the end. I was, the well, anyway. yeah, we'll get to the advert in a minute. I did, initially, this didn't assuage my fears. Hmm. Countdown to Infinite Crisis was a good read as well. And that didn't herald a shinier DCU. <laughs> Neither did Flashpoint. But bringing Wally back, that's a good start, as was getting rid of Superman. Because he does. Do you think it's fair to say he's the character that best sums up all the problems people had with the new 52? Yeah. They messed up Superman, so the rest of it's messed up. Yeah, definitely. Even though that may not necessarily be true. I, I will defend the new 52, but the biggest, loudest problem was Superman. Right. So they didn't get Superman right, okay. But they still. I don't believe that just by bringing back the old Superman, the problems are fixed. Because it, it, doesn't, no. it doesn't matter whether it's the new or old Superman, it's about your writers. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be covering some Superman mm. in but a moment. Uh, my only problem with this, once I'd read it, I'd thoroughly enjoyed it. I was on board. Yeah. Well done, Jeff. You'd done it. My only problem with it, it suffered from the same thing all Jeff John's comics from. It's not interested in telling a story that's about now. No. It's interested in setting up the next story. And to me, that's quite a big problem. I didn't mind it with this. I hated it with Trinity War. Yeah. I mean, J.J. Abrams mm. set all, dangled all these loose threads for The Force Awakens, and he was got nothing to do with the sequels. No, you were, you were a bit annoyed about I was. That, Jeff Johns has done the exact same thing here. He's dangling all these threads, and this is the last comic he's going to write. But he is now president of DC Publishing. Comics. I thought so, he was president of entertainment. Is he? Which I thought is it was the, the comics. TV side. Oh, right. Okay. See, I thought he was overseeing the comics now, as well as doing his TV and movie but stuff. But he has said that this is his last comic. But as long which, as he's got his yeah. fingers in the overseeing part. I, I guess that also allows other creative teams to breathe a bit. Mm. Jeff Johns did Flash in the early days, yeah. Justice League all the way through, Aquaman, yeah. JLA, yeah. all these events and that. Yeah. And Green Lantern. Then went and did Superman for a bit. Exactly. So, I mean, him leaving comics, it allows other creative teams, lesser known ones as well, like Capullo and Snyder were, to, to breathe and become... Yeah, and become Capullo and Snyder. Yeah. If they've got given the opportunity. Um, I mean, the point of this endeavour was to actually promote the next bunch of stories. In which it succeeded. Yes. So it succeeds in that. And is it satisfying as a read and is it worth the money? Yeah. 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 So it was good, wasn't it? But it does... There's a part of it, it's like, you know, you get your magazines with your little models and your toys and yeah. your first one's a pound, but the yeah. rest are a tenner. Yeah. Is that not what it kind of feels like? Yes, but at the same time, they have then followed up with that price point for the other issues. Mm. So they've not increased the price once you've got this. Uh, they've increased it when they've reprinted it. Yeah. I wonder if that was a response to people jacking up the price on the first what, print. by them jacking up the price? Then yeah. there's so no... DC have gone, wait a minute, mm. we were releasing this as a cheap price for new readers, you're kind of screwing us over on that, so screw you, we're going to release it at five ninety nine. Well, touts ruin everything for everyone. Well, yeah. Um, the back of the issue, like Michael said, there's a gorgeous two-page poster splash of everybody. Um, again, 
clear indicator that the new 52 is coming to an end. Wonder Woman, Superman, and The Flash have all got broad grins. And Batman smirking. Batman's got a little bit of a smirk. Mera's grinning. Supergirl's grinning. We have the Marvel family there as well. Nightwing is grinning. Yeah, where's the Marvel family? Up top right. So we have, yeah. I don't know if Shazam is. Uh, and the Green Lanterns look like they're having a bit of a grin as well. It's exactly the same as... Uh... The poster they did for the drawing the line at two ninety nine. Well, they that have, Ivan Reese also did. They have. They've gone back to two ninety nine. Yeah. So fair play to that is lovely. I do love Ivan Reese posters because he's, you know, like I said in the last one, he's a mm. very competent artist. So it's cool seeing how who's in there. Mm. Well, there's also that thing again, like we said. Oh, in there's this John th- Constantine. Is he running? Yeah. And Swamp Thing, though. John Constantine would not run. John Constantine would be wheezing. John Constantine can't run. Yeah. So. But like we said last time in the Throne of Atlantis show, every detail, every bit of that that two page is covered. Yeah, it's like Etrigan. Yes, Etrigan the Demon. Um, if I have a problem, it's that they've covered Firestorm with the blurb. Yeah, and the Martian Manhunt. So yeah, that seems a bit silly. But other than that, absolutely great. And then lots of adverts for what's coming up. Mm. Titans one. Oh dear, Brett Booth. <laughs> oh, Jim Lee clone from the nineties. Uh, Flash one. Batman 1, Teen Titans 1, Green Lanterns 1, Green Arrow 1, Aquaman 1, Wonder Woman 1, Suicide Squad with Tim Lee. <clears throat> Hasn't it already been announced that he's not going to be doing that twice monthly? Because <laughs> isn't that the, the funniest oh, thing about that? I do love how it's twice monthly. Yeah, that's not going to happen with Jim Lee. It's, when it says twice monthly, did they mean two months? <laughs> No, I think they mean twice monthly. I think they mean bi-weekly. I don't know why they don't say bi-weekly. Yeah. Instead of twice monthly. But whatever, it's the same thing. Action Comics, Superman, and then the DC Rebirth checklist is on the last page. I love how they have checklists. because You're a big fan of that, aren't you? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, it's it's a perfect way of buy them all, buy them all, yeah. buy them all, collect them all, yeah. catch them all. See, the problem with this is... DC, the, go. They have all been good enough to buy them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. They have good, good thumbs up. For DC Rebirth, well, number one. It's uh, when the new 52 started, and we sat here with all our fresh, shiny yes, new copies. Yes, we've been and here they were all re- they were all reasonably priced, yes. and it was all new, and it was all bright and shiny. Yeah, 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 when yeah. does the fatigue set in for the Rebirth? Well, let's see. Should we? Let's yeah. see when that... I mean, at the moment... Are we going to be here in another five years, talking about DC Afterbirth, <laughs> saying we've been here before? I don't think they'll call it Afterbirth. Well, I should hope not. <laughs> We're copywriting it. <laughs> All right, okay. So they're not going to call it Afterbirth for reasons of let's, good taste. Let's put morals aside. <laughs> That's copyright us. Yeah. And if DC call the next initiative Afterbirth... This is, this is evidence. <laughs> we're going to date stamp this file <laughs> yeah. and prove that we recorded this on the 4th of August 2016 yeah. at 213200 hours. <laughs> so there you go, Dan. GMT. Yeah, we've, with GMT, we've got that time stamped. All right, okay. Uh, we're going to cover a number of different Rebirth books, most of which I actually bought physical copies of, though they are, but some of which I bought digitally, though they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Comedy bronze! Yeah, that was. So, uh, Superman Rebirth first, uh, written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, with that by Doug Mank and Jamie Mendoza. Uh, synopsis for these are going to be brief. 
understandable. Uh, a strange black-clad Superman with a Will Riker beard invades New 52 Superman's tomb, believing he will be resurrected like he was following the battle with Doomsday. He finds engineer Lana Lang, who wants to take what's left of New 52 Superman's body, back to Smallville. Lana is sceptical of beardy Superman's claims, but she takes him to the Fortress of Solitude, but once the beardy Superman realises that this world Superman is gone, disintegrated into sand will do that to you. He helps Lana get the remains to Smallville and adds a statue of New 52 Superman to the ones already in the fortress of Jarrell, Lara, Jonathan and Martha. And that's pretty much it for that. Uh, if we ignore the cover... Of Superman punching us. Which has the... Well, Superman punching us and the overplayed angry eyes. Where's my angry eyes? You pack my it's, angry eyes? Yeah, it's also the motif for the rebirth, isn't it? Yeah. The close-ups of the faces. The close for the face, which I don't mind too much, but I, I, I do think... Isn't that another DC 90s gimmick? Yes, it was across the board, yeah. yeah. Well, the DC at the moment owes a lot to the 90s. If they can get that's the quality because, of the books... That's because Jim Lee is yes. the head of DC. Yeah, yeah, I'm not denying that. If they can get the quality of the books in the 90s, the Superman titles, the Batman titles, Hellblazer... I cannot wait. Hitman. Cannot wait for the Rebirth Blood uh, <laughs> crossover. <laughs> Maybe they'll... Well, after Birth Blood. Anyway! <clears throat> the After Blood Birth. After Blood Birth, yeah. Um, if we ignore that cover, which we're going to, uh, this was very low-key and interesting. Mm. You didn't like this one much, did you? I didn't rate most of the one-offs because they were all the same thing. Uh, well, yeah, they do all follow a pretty standard pattern of they are the first episode of a new season. And they're just kind of wiping away the plots and subplots that have been left dangling. Are they not more like, um, what was it? Yeah, Throne of Atlantis, where yeah. we said that the prolude issue was just them talking and set up. Yes. And that's all these were. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you. That's a lot of what these are. I mean, I liked that in this particular issue, they're taking the title Rebirth literally. This is a Superman from another world mm. who doesn't belong here, or another timeline, whichever way you call the, it. Uh, Superman War when mm. he came back from life. Yeah. So it's tying into the Doomsday stuff. And as we go through action comics, when we get there, there's a lot of nods to. The death of Superman. It's or Superman it's, Doomsday. It's just telling the same story, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But there's something to be said for the story of the older hero coming out of retirement to show the kids how it's done. That's mm. never not good. No. I always love that as Doug a story. Doug Manx art in this is great. Doug Manx art's very good. And I'm not the biggest Doug Mankey fan, but yeah. He's changed mm. quite a bit in this, I think. Yeah. And it's it's nice to see uh, Yellow S on the cape, red short Superman back. Yeah. Yeah, even if it's only for this issue. It is nice to see him again. do the Doomsday fight really well, though. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of computer enhancements going on, though, but it is a really... That is a nice double-plate spread. Yeah. I really the energy's like lowering the, the artwork. Mm. I mean, this Superman can't be much older than 40. Mm. So he's not over the hill. But after the CWIA-ization of the post-New 52 landscape, this is a nice development. It is. A Superman who's back to being 39, 40 years of age. Mm. Slightly older than Superman's been depicted before. Because he has age since then. Yeah, well, he's got... How old's Jonathan? I don't know. He's about yeah, is he 10. About 10? So. Yeah. yeah. So that would put them at doesn't, 33, 43. Doesn't having him married with children automatically make him seem older as well? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that what Joe Quisada said? Yeah, anyway. Um... You know, this is one of those issues that ties it up for a new writer to take home. I liked this, but I don't like it as much as what came next. 
And you're absolutely right. Oh, yeah, there's an advert, Reign of the Supers, in the middle of this that does clearly establish... Reign of the Supers. Very good. Yeah. That Lois Lane is Superwoman. We're getting all them back, because, Luke, you got your, your Supergirl. That looks like... Melissa Benoist. No, the the Terminator Superman. Oh yeah. And in the Cyborg latest Superman, the yeah. latest issue of Superman hasn't the the what's his face come back as well? The one with the funky yellow glasses. Yeah, the eradicator. Yeah, the eradicator. Yeah, he's come back in. Steel's two. still knocking around. Steel's still. Yes. There there is a fine We've got line. Got Superboy as well. We have. There is a fine line between homaging the nineties. Mm. And just going back to the nineties again. Another problem with the the reboots and the all that is yeah. is when is it an ex when is it for them to tell new stories and when is it an excuse for them to tell old stories? We've now seen the death of Superman since Flashpoint mm-hmm. about two or three times. Yeah, and they they vacillated on that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Superman died. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. May have happened, but not as you saw it, and, yeah. and all of that, and that that got a bit tiresome. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting to me about Superman is who is this new guy? Where has he come from? What does this mean for Lois and Jonathan? And what does it mean for the Lois that exists in the continuity? Mm. That's the interesting part of this, not the rematch with Doomsday. For me, the most interesting thing is in uh, Superman, not action comics. Really? See, I think I prefer action. I think... Well, I've I've only read the first issue Mm. of Superman, whereas I've read the all three Superman ones we've got. Yeah. And I, I really like the character interactions right. with his family. I like the the raising a son. A super son. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean Super Rebirth was, was, was good. It was there was nothing wrong with it. Mm. It was fine. But Action Comics issue nine hundred and fifty seven. Yeah. Back to the numbering, which is is very good. With an Eddie Barrows cover. Uh is it? He's done a lot It's Ivan Rice. Is it? Miss Sign though. All right. It looks a lot like Eddie Barrows. Um, I would agree with you until you look at Lex's face. Yeah. That's an Ivan Rice face, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very Ivan Rice. Uh, currently my favourite DC artist. I think it's first Who, Ivan Rice? Ivan Rice, yeah. Yeah. Big fan of Ivan Rice. Interior art by Patrick Zersher and written by Dan Jurgens. A bank robbery is thwarted by, of all people, Lex Luthor, now wearing the Superman shield in an opportunistic moment of hubris. Beardy Superman has little love for Luthor, ditches the beard, and flies to confront him. Luthor tells the assembled crowd that Superman is dead, but he will protect them. Superman arrives and says, this is bunk. But the bigger surprise is that the reporter that shows up to help Jimmy with the story is Clark Kent. Not done with surprises for one day, we learn the robbery is a diversion. The real target was Doomsday. What do you think of this one? Uh, I, en- I enjoyed it. I thought this was a blinder. Mm. I really like this one. And I've continued to really like action comics as it goes along. I'm intrigued by the idea of Lex... Not being the Lex Luthor this guy knows. Yeah. So he's there seems to be a bit more of an altruistic motive to I mean, it. In this, Superman kind of is the bad guy to a sense. Yeah. He unprovokingly attacks Lex yeah. Luthor. Without actually realising what he's getting into. And um, But as the story's progressed, if you've not read any more action comics, Superman actually does start working with it. Because yeah. it's basically, look, we've got to work together to sort this out, yeah. which is a very Superman thing. But I'll I'll be honest, I thought this set up some great questions, had some great art, was a good setup for where the story's going to go in its first arc, which is, that's a complaint that we could have if we wanted to. Mm. That these are clearly setting up the first trade paperbacks, and is it then going to follow on yeah. In that way. Is this, we... is this volume two of the Lois and Clark trades? Yeah. Are we going to get 
done in one stories, two part stories, yeah. or are we just going to be beholden to this six issue arc structure mm. that I think is becoming as predictable as as other standard superhero stories now? Yeah. You can predict the pacing of it just as easily in six issues as you can in twenty two pages. Mm. It's the problem that TV's having at the minute when everything has to be a twenty two episode story arc. It becomes just as predictable as a forty-six minute TV episode. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be the forty-fourth minute where Stringfellow Heart brings Earwolf out and blows shit up. It may be episode twenty-one, mm. but the same structure applies. It's just elongated. Yeah, and they need to find a way to work around that. Well, we just hit issue three of this, haven't we? Yes. And it's just it's the fight scene in the middle, isn't it? Yeah, but at the same time, DC have just admitted that their trade paperback sales are now higher than their monthly comics. Well, I think with the, the sales, I mean, the prices of the individual issues so much, mm. the best way to read them is the trade. Well, also, they, they, they obviously don't disclose what digital sales are. They play right. that very close to the chest for some reason. Right. For the same way that Netflix doesn't tell you how many people watch their shows. Yeah, but it's it's digital sales. Is that not spread out in the DC app, the Comixology? Yeah, the, it's so it's like, where you I get them through Comixology because they're cheaper than through the DC app. Right. So they're not going to... Go figure. Yeah. I, only, I assume that is only because DC's app has iTunes in, iTunes in app purchases. Right. Whereas Comixology being owned by Amazon mm. doesn't but ends up being cheaper for yeah. us. I don't, I don't know how that works in America. I don't think it would. But we end up, they end up being ten pence cheaper. So only ten p, but it's there, dude. <laughs> it adds up. Yeah. So it ends up being ten p cheaper to buy it through Comicsology than it does through the DC app, mm. which is very strange. Not sure what I make of the the new Fifty Two Clock Kent being alive as well. Um, yeah. That seems a bit like you can't decide whether you want to be in or out. Yes, and it it I yeah, that's just there to give me secret identity back. Right, okay. Do you know what I think? Mm. But it's going to be interesting to see what goes on from here because then you've got two Loises and two Clarks. Yeah. What happens at that point? Does Superman have to give up being Clark Kent? Mm. And become somebody else? Yeah. I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. know. I've, I've never found out that I exist. <laughs> that one. has never happened to It's you, not, right? actually. That's, well, you've just not lived. Of course. Quite clear. I do find it funny how like we are de- very definitely recreating the 90s. Yes. Dan Jurgens is writing The Death of Superman yep. in Superman, action comics even. Yeah, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with it. And um, uh, Dan Abner is writing a title, um, Brett Booth's doing something, and... Well, Detective Comics, which will let's let's change the order. Are we changing the order? We'll change the order. Uh, Detective Comics returned to its original number in 934, written by James Tinney and the Fourth, with that Teddy Burroughs. Eddie Burroughs, yeah, 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 that's him. Because he does interiors um, with Eber Ferreria, which I'm probably pronouncing wrongly. Uh, great cover. Yeah, absolutely I, I, blinding Eddie, cover. Eddie Burroughs is knocking it out. Yeah. with all the way through Detective. Absolutely He's blinding. Lost colors as well. Yeah, great. So the reason we've gone straight to Detective Comics, there is no none more nineties yeah, yeah. than this particular comic. The creative forces are very much bleeding the nineties. The idea the of a bat family. Just mm. the fact that Azriel Yeah, it's it's a bat team. Yeah, is in this book. None more 90s than that. Um, brief synopsis. Batman and Batwoman set about recruiting various members of the Bat family to create a fighting unit to tackle whatever the new threat is that just took down Azrael. They aren't ready yet, but they will be. I thought this was an absolutely blinding first I thought issue. this was great. Absolutely excellent. It's it's 
the the Batman Justice League. Yes, I pretty mean, much. And I think Eddie Barrows sells it as well. Yeah, his art's great. He's it's almost JG Williams the third on the Batwoman pages. He did Batwoman, so that's right. what he's channeling. Right. And again, for for no reason, I've no idea. Every other panel will just be a watercolor because mm. he, he does it with Clayface. He does it with the. Tim and what's a face kissing? He right. does it with he's just watercolors out Tim of Tim and spoiler, and they're great. Yeah, because that's J um, J H Williams the third as yeah. well. Though. Yeah, uh, I can't fault Detective Comics. I had to fault this as with Batman Rebirth one, which we've not covered yet, but we will do in a minute. Um, this doesn't do anything new with Batman, does it? It's, it's a throwback. It's Batman Incorporated. Yeah, it's yeah, but it does it wonderfully. And Clayface as well. Clay, who, who knew Clayface would be this great? And yeah. Absolutely and you, brilliant stuff. And you sympathise with him as well on the first page. Yes. He just and, wants to watch his film. And it's back to being um, Boris Carlo. Basil yeah, Carlo, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Boris Carlo. But is, is this nice. not uh, Sandman in uh, Avengers? Yes. It's Sandman when he went good. How long is it until someone on Batman wants to have a, a Clayface story and he's back to being a bad guy? Or how long before Clayface is manipulated into being the bad guy? Yeah, see, this Clayface's watercolours yeah. for no reason. Uh, but other than it looks good. Kathy Kane's characterisation is brilliant. Yeah. Again, the setup for this is really good. Beautifully done. Lots of loose ends that obviously they're going to get into as the story arc continues. What was... A pleasant surprise about this was the 90s throwback nature of it, which was arguably with the last consistently and... good period of Detective Comics. Yeah. yeah. With Spoiler, yeah, and, and Robin, well, he's Red Robin in this, but we all know yeah. who he is. Um, uh, what's her face? Cassandra yeah. Kane. Yeah. The, this, this issue pushed this to the must read pile. Yeah. Just this one. I read this and thought that was fantastic. Mm. And l- l- there's a lot to read in it as well. Yeah. A lot of panels, a lot of writing, a lot of dialogue. And even if it is a six-issue story arc, I'm excited for the mm. next one. I, I ploughed through them all because they're just fun books. And yeah. Your second one's about them learning to what to train together. Yeah. And it's it's really it's just a fun book. Yeah, it's brilliant. Love yeah. Detective Comics. Absolutely love that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So we'll go back. We've changed the order. We're going back to Batman Rebirth number one. Generic cover. Batman with a batarang. Yeah. A bit of stubble. Is that was that not the one year later? Thing as well? yeah, it kind of looks like it, doesn't it? Face to face. Yeah. yeah. Which right? I thought it was, to be honest, when I first saw that cover. It's alright, isn't it? It's, it's okay. Yeah. It, it does what it what it does. Um uh, it's written by Scott Snyder and Tom King. I don't know how much Tom Scott Snyder, sorry, actually had to do with it. It feels I think it feels did. a bit Snydery. Uh, I don't know. But I enjoyed. I think what Snyder Tom King was just there to, to plant some seeds and push it in a direction. Yeah, and then he's he's buggering off and doing Batman All Star Batman. All-Star Batman, Batman so, yeah. yeah, okay, that's fine. Comes out this month. Very excited. Uh, art by Mike Janin. Art was good. Michael Janin. Is that who it is? Yeah. All right, okay. His, his art looks really good actually. It's changed quite a bit from what uh from when he did Justice League Dark. Oh, is that what he's from? Yeah. Right. Suits the book. So it's it the tone of the book. Yeah. Um, Bruce synopsis Batman and a new recruit, I don't know, try <laughs> to stop Julian Day, a.k.a. the Calendar Man, from releasing spores that will destroy the city. I have seen a few online retailers refer to this issue as Evil 365, but I didn't see that title in the issue. Right. Anywhere. So, you know. Um, balls are action piece. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. With a slight... Uh, the calendar man adds a slight hint of horror. Yes, I thought that. And not Which, an unwelcome hint of no, horror. No, it was really cool, yeah. wasn't it? Batman does supernatural and horror stories really well yeah. in the right hands. Mm. And yeah, this felt like a, a and really... It's just, 
really decent reinvention yeah. of the calendar man while still keeping his gimmick. Yeah, because he only shows up every other page. Yeah. But when he does, it's like, oh, so they're doing this with him. Oh, mm. so that happens. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit gross, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. In full agreement with you. Um, this felt a little bit better than some of the other Rebirth books in the sense that it didn't have to clear the deck. Yeah, Snyder and Capullo happening. had already done that. Yeah, it was more than just talking. Yes, so that's essentially what we what we just described. It's a balls out action piece mm. with Batman and the new recruit. Who is the new recruit? It is uh, Thomas Duke. Is Who? it not Duke Thomas? Duke. Is it Thomas Duke? Is it Duke Thomas? I don't know because yeah, it's, it's Duke Thomas. Right, I because think, they believe. don't make a big deal about who this guy is. Well, I think that's the Snyder in it. Right. Because uh, Duke Thomas, he rescued Bruce in Zero Year, mm. and he popped up in Endgame. He, his parents were Jokerized. Yeah. And after that, he became one of the Robins in We Are Robin. Right. So okay. it's, it's kind of like one of the complaints I've read about this is they don't know who he is. Yeah. They don't explain who he is yeah. in this book. Which is a fault of the issue, but at the same time of that is this is a continuation of the Snyder stuff. To an extent... It's Rebirth number one. They should have at least told us who Thomas Duke or Duke Thomas was. I suppose. But it's not as though he's a new character. He had his own title and he was a guest character in the main Batman book. All right, fair comment. But I I still think they could have at least thrown us a bone. But yeah, I get what you're saying, so that's fine. Um, This is is a, a proper affirmation of who Batman is. He's driven, he's obsessed, but he's not without compassion even for these bad guys. Uh, I love that there are specific scenes that show Bruce and Batman has been very single-minded in the pursuit of justice. Um, turns it all over to Lucius Fox to run the company. If all this sounds like nothing new, well, it isn't. Yeah. Not really. But once again, Batman doesn't need fixing, does he? No. You know, he, he didn't five years ago when the New 52 started. He doesn't need fixing now. Mm. He's not... Superman. Superman always needs bloody fixing, apparently. Yeah. But Batman doesn't. Batman doesn't need fixing. What this does do, and does it very well, is embrace comic book action. Mm. And I, I loved it. I did genuinely love Batman Rebirth 1. Not as much as Batman number one. See, my problem with this this Batman Rebirth, right, yeah. was I was very excited at the Calendar Man stuff. Mm. But then you get to Batman... And it's it's these two new Gotham characters. What Batman and Thomas? The setup in the setup in this issue, which isn't going to pay off in the main Batman book, and we know what the second arc's going to be because mm. Tom King said at San Diego that from issue nine, it's all about the three Jokers. Right. Oh, well, so where are they going to follow up on on Duke? I don't know because he's barely mentioned in the first issue. Has Robin got his own boot now? I think or is he, Robin I, had his own no, boot now. All right, okay. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with the Bat books other than Batman Detective Comics, and Batgirl's got a book as well, so yeah. I don't know. But it's not as good as Batman number one, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Did you Have you read that one? I enjoyed it, but it's it's a bit heavy. Oh, I didn't care. Well, we what get, we if? Get to it we haven't because we we're not covering it. Oh, we we're not? not covering Batman right, number okay. one. We're just in the Rebirth books. But I, I thought it was just a balls out. What if Batman sorted out the Superman land plane landing yeah. sequence from Superman Returns. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's valid. It was good. I enjoyed that too because it is cool. Um, David Finch's art's horrible in it. It's not horrible. It's, it's just very darkly inked. It's not. David, David Finch has been on a downward spiral for <laughs> since since the, he started Detective Comics in the New Fifty Two. Okay, and now it's awful. But beside the point. Beside the point. 
as much as the the airplane stuff was fun and cool it was it was and it was for issue one yeah the first issue the whole oh i might die tell the robins that i love them it was too heavily laid on we know i knew he wasn't gonna die you knew he wasn't gonna die tom king knew he wasn't gonna die (laughs) but it's oh tell robin tell damien i was never a good father alfred it's always the most human yeah, but other than that, <laughs> yeah. I didn't care. Yeah, I was just so impressed by how fast-paced and action-orientated that issue was, mm-hmm. and how audacious it was. I've, yeah, I've only read the first issue as well, but Gotham and Gotham Girl seem a lot like Nightwing and Flamebird. Yeah, I'm, I, they, they've, I think they've revealed who they are in issue three or four. I've not read three and four. Well, yet. Having only read issue one, I'm, yeah. I think I'm thinking that's what they're doing. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. But I was just. But the thing with that was it was so audacious and so remarkably silly in yeah. the best way. It was kind of like a silly James Bond yeah. film. Yeah, like Batman has just stopped a plane from crashing. Yeah. Batman! It's... Don't you dare tell me he's not a superhero. <laughs> it's, uh... Remember when everyone did super cool, omnipotent Batman? Yeah. That's This is exactly what we've got again. I would argue you haven't, it's... because it's the Batman there who hadn't planned for that and thought he was going to die. Okay. I thought that was very definitely Tim King saying, this isn't omnipotent godlike Batman. He's doing this okay. to save the people he does not think so he's going to survive. In that case, then, it's the super fun, can-do-anything Batman... Mm. With, fun. but with fallibility. Yeah. See, that's where the story worked. You're right. Yeah, I knew he wasn't going to die. You knew he wasn't going to die. Tom King knew he wasn't going to die. Yeah. The lovely listener knew he wasn't going to die. <laughs> Your mum, who hasn't even read the goddamn There's comic, someone going out there going, knew he wasn't going to die. Man, that, that cat was that just went past our window knew he wasn't going to die. <laughs> but in the comic, he, he thought, thought he, he was going and to that's die, what matters. and that sold the story. Yeah. And I just loved it. It's like the Superman Returns thing, but it's Batman. <laughs> Batman just stopped a plane from crashing in downtown Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> what is not brilliant about that? Mm. Come on! Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I'm not disagreeing with that. <laughs> uh, it doesn't... After all the problems that Batman had, though, with the whole Duke Thomas thing, though, mm. he's barely mentioned in issue he's one. He's barely mentioned in issue one. That's fair comment. Yeah. But, you know, you'll get to it. Eventually, yeah. I suppose. Uh, the second tier titles. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if we can call Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and, and other stuff second tier. Can we? We'll get in trouble with somebody. <laughs> uh, Aquaman number one. Aquaman swimming underwater. He looks a bit pissed off. He does. I don't know. Maybe the sand, the salt water, the sand in his hair, underwater. <laughs> the salt water's ruining his hair. I don't know. Uh, written by Dan Abnett, with art by Brad Walker. Um, the deluge, an Atlantean terror cell who sees the nations of dry land as pollution is launching their attack on the surface world aquaman fights to stop them i thought and i'll let you have your say in a minute i thought this was great i thought this had a great beginning i've read the 25 issues of aquaman that jeff johns wrote very recently and some of peter david's stuff back in the 90s that's pretty much the sum total of my aquaman knowledge dan abnett covers everything i needed to know in the issue there's a lot going on on the surface 
This is a simple superhero adventure about Aquaman preventing a war between Atlantis and the surface world. A heroic deed, no doubt, as he does this without the surface world ever knowing that he does it. So mm. it's very altruistic. But dig a little deeper. Dive a little deeper, I suppose, <laughs> if we're in water. Abnet is asking interesting questions about homeland security, the nature of terrorism, its effectiveness in achieving desired goals, when it's all right to call your own people terrorists. With a king on the throne, people either love or hate. Breed into that any current political figure that you want to. Abnet can ask questions about our own society within the Aquaman framework. Hmm. And he can actually push those questions. What lengths is Aquaman willing to go to to keep Atlantis safe? How will he pursue that goal? How will this affect his position in the Justice League if his, how he wants to keep Atlantis safe conflicts with what the Justice League want to do? What does he do when his actions on the surface world impact upon his, his Atlantean lifestyle? Excellent questions, all raised in this issue. And I hope Abnet sticks around long enough to answer them. And he is definitely, Dan Abnet is going to be doing that Justice League Atlanta story that was teased in Aqua number 25 and so, so far. Is that definitely him it's going to happen in this, yeah. Right, okay. It's been announced. Right. Go on, voice of dissension. For me, I just, uh, I, it could be me that has the problem. It's you. Right, okay. But <laughs> when Jeff Jones came on Aquaman, yep. there was something about it. I don't know what specifically, but. I've never been been interested in Aquaman. Jeff Johns made him interesting for me. I, Ivan Rice played no small part in that. No, exactly. But something about him made me want to read him hmm. and enjoy it. Whereas with this, I don't know. Dan Abnett just doesn't have it for me. Because right. I couldn't get into this. I had to stop. I had to try again for a second time. I just could not enjoy it. Yeah, you had you packed it in halfway through yeah. this one. Jeff Johns made Aquaman interesting in a way that no other writer apparently has. But see, what's interesting about though this is Jeff Johns's first issue. It's exactly the same. It's but beat it's, for beat the same. It's just not for me. Right. Well, see, that's fair enough because I, I thought Abner went overboard with the whole Aquaman is a joke, as Jeff Johns did. Yeah. In his first issue. Um, it even ends the same way that Jeff Johns' first issue did, with them mm. both having a, a drink in that cafe, or a bite to eat, or whatever. Um, whilst it is similar, it fits in the Rebirth template, in that this can get straight into the story. Again, Aquaman didn't need fixing. Yeah. Johns fixed Aquaman in the New 52, and whether or not it went off the boil a little bit after Johns left, I don't know. The general consensus seems to be that it did. Right. And then Dan Abnett picked it up towards the end of the New 52 run and it was on an upward spiral again. So he's just carrying on from yeah. what he did before. Yeah, it had sunk a bit after Johns stopped. Right. But now it was heading back to the surface. So Abnett's carrying I'm, on. I'm loving all this. You're loving this. Water, uh, all these water things. Uh, Abnett's just carrying on. And for me, that felt like Aquaman didn't need fixing. It just needed a minor course correction. Right. And he does that in one issue. Now, we should at this point be bored of Homeland Security stories. Mm. Terrorism stories. How far are you willing to go to protect your nation stories? It's This is the equivalent of commies and the reds in the 60s, isn't it? Yeah. It's now informing everything. But I thought he did a really good job with it. I thought this is science fiction as allegory. Mm. And you can tell whatever story you want to in that framework. Yeah. 
I thought, I mean, are we going to have some people running for the king of Atlantis or rulers of Atlantis who are driving the Atlanteans to hate the surface world Mm. and want to build a wall around the surface world and stop them from getting there? Is he going to push the allegory that far? Is the surface world going to want to vote to not even have Atlantis be part of the planet? Right. And so we don't want anything to do with them. They're not even allowed on the surface. How would that affect Aquaman and his place in the Justice League? Mm. So there's so many political parallels that he could ply into this as a science yeah. fiction allegory and make it work. They're all interesting questions and themes. Mm. It's just, I, I don't know. I can't enjoy it enough to find them interesting in the well, Aquaman. That's frame. a shame. Because like I said, I don't give a rat's ass about Aquaman until Jeff Jones, and, and I loved this. Yeah. But I like science fiction as allegory. Which may be one of the reasons I still like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I, I like it too, but I think it's Aquaman lets it down for me. Oh, see, I didn't. I thought that was good. All right, fair enough. So we're we're on a minor. So well, so far we're batting. Yeah. yeah. However many issues we've covered, <laughs> how many have we done at this point? One, two, three, four, five. We're batting five for five. Okay. Yeah. We've had a minor disagreement with Aquaman, whereas yeah. I liked Aquaman and you didn't. All right, fair enough. That's not bad for us, mm. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth has a cover that's close up of Diana's smirking face as she she holds her sword. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Considering that that is that nineties trope of a close up of the face. Yeah. It's great cover. And is that uh, Liam Sharp? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who did that cover. It's, it's not got Frank Cho's ass on it though, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't want to see Frank Cho's ass. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Another fourteen-year-old inside me doesn't find that cover as appealing. I think it's a great cover. I love the colouring job on it. I love the gold and red of the tiara and the blue of her eyes. The skin tone. Look at that proper skin tone. Same colour as mine. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Shading and the hatching works as well. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. I love that cover. I think it's brilliant. Uh, Written by Greg Rucker, making his return to the title with art by Matthew Clark and Sean Parsons and Liam Sharp and Jeremy Colwell. I don't know why I had so many artists. Do you? (laughs) Uh, Delays. Well, it came out on time, so I don't know. Um, oh, no, is it more a case of it showing what the book's going to be going forward? Because this is taking a very unusual publishing angle. Do you know what right. it's doing? No. All right, issue one, okay. three, five, seven, nine, and 11 will be one story. And issue two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve... Will be another story. Because right, in this, these they introduce the yep. split stories. Yeah, don't they? Right. That's what the book's going to be. That's actually quite interesting. So when they trade paperback it, it'll be two different trades. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting. Yeah, so that they can maintain that twice monthly schedule, but keep the same artist on the stories. The they're doing two different stories. Right. So you could buy every other issue of Wonder Woman and still get a complete story. Yeah. It is. is, is it's going to be interesting if it works. That's very similar to the Seven Soldiers method, isn't mm, it? Yeah. It's two separate stories that make one bigger story. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting whether they can make that work. Yeah. Is, is that going to be confusing for the people buying every month that next, next in two weeks' time they get a chapter of a different story and the story that starts in issue number one, they have to wait a month for? Or would that just... Um... Create anticipation? No, or, or the, enhance the reading experience. Possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's an intriguing idea, though. Yeah. I think it's really quite interesting. Anyway, uh, Wonder Woman's memories are playing tricks on her as she remembers her own life differently. She returns to Olympus to seek the truth. Easily the most self-referential and metatextual of the Rebirth issues, Rucker's return to Wonder Woman has a freshness to it that's been absent from the character since DC decided to turn her into Xena. Wonder Woman realises that the story keeps changing 
and how she's going to find who is responsible. Presumably, Rucker isn't going to have her meet him at some point. Well, my problem with this issue Go on. was that it's very, very Grant Morrison. It is very, very Grant Morrison. And it reads... It's not very, very Grant Morrison. It reads like it's trying to be very, very Grant Morrison. No, you... Greg Rook is taking this concept of the multiple timelines, the multiple worlds and all that, yeah. and he's trying to be as Morrison and metatextual as possible, and that's where it lost me, because I felt like it was trying too hard. Do you not think this was Greg Rooker flipping Brian Azzarello, the bird? Or because of what he did with the book. Do you not... I mean, I didn't read any of that, but I've read read Nathaniel Wayne's email to us where he explained about it. And I know it has its fans. The the Brian Azzarello run has its fans. But there is another subset of fans who think that that wasn't Wonder Woman. Mm. And I I read this as Rucker basically saying, you know that Azzarello stuff? Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. And it felt very much like that's what he was doing with it. It was like just a big two fingers. Right. To Azarello, as he tries to refocus the book in what in the direction that he wants it to be, somewhat unprofessional for a creator. Somewhat, but if you but know, then again, so kicking off a variant cover artist. Just yeah. Because so like well, it. you know, you you don't know the full story. You've only got Frank Cho's side of it. Well, I've only got Rich Johnson, to be honest. Oh right. Well, <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what the truth? <laughs> I is. mean, we all know Rich Johnson loves Frank Cho's uh, outrage covers. Yes. And he publishes them an awful lot. He does. So he's fueling that fire. Frank Cho is probably a really nice guy that everyone hates because of Rich Johnson. Yeah, possibly. And his specific magnifying glass. Yeah, well, let's address the, the Frank Cho thing. Here's my thing. Most of those things that people have kicked off about his outrage covers, yeah. they are covers that people have paid Frank Cho to do yeah. at conventions on those blank variant cover things. Mm, they're not professional work. It's, no, DC's it's... not published them. Marvel's not published them. Getting upset at Frank Cho for doing art that he's been paid to do privately seems to me to be missing the point slightly. Yeah. Because that has not been endorsed by DC or Marvel. And, and let's be brutally honest, what Frank Cho has been paid to do by a private commissioner is none of your business. Well, and in the pre-internet days, we wouldn't have even seen those Well, covers. again, it's like what Frank Cho is illustrating on covers is no different from me and you making a joke at the table. Yeah. The only difference is we don't have Bleeding Cool. <laughs> Pouncing all over us. Magnifying onto that, yeah. exaggerating that, and then... Because it's one of those... Half truth type things, half truth type things. Yeah, you know how like oh the history is written by the the winner. Mm. It's that type of thing. It's Rich Johnson's truth instead of what's actually there. Yeah, and it's Frank Cho's interpretation, and he's ended up on Harley Quinn anyway. Yeah. So let's be honest, that's just as good a fit for him. Yeah. Because Pamiotti and is it Amanda Connor? Yeah. On Harley Quinn, they're not afraid of doing cheesecake with Harley Quinn. No. But they kind of seem to get a pass because Amanda Connor's a woman. Well, it's more and of it's a, more of a part of Harley Quinn's character. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite cheesecake. It's more fun. Yeah, mm. but yeah, so he seems to be a better fit for that kind of fun book. Yeah, perhaps the Harley Quinn readers aren't going to be as uptight about it. Maybe it's the teenage Rumi, but I thought that um, Frank Cho's variant covers mm. were actually great pieces of art. Yeah, especially considering he did them all with a, a ballpoint pen. 
Yeah, and it's I see again. You gotta be like like when we did um, Earth One, but at the same time, DC trimmed his art so you didn't see the panty shot anywhere. Mm. Now you can argue a case that perhaps he shouldn't have drawn a panty shot on a Wonder Woman comic. Yeah, and I think you do have a valid argument, but but ultimately DC <clears throat> trimmed it so you didn't see it. Well, uh, Suicide Squad um, the footage has been edited so that Harley Quinn shorts are now um, underpants. What? What? Have you, have you not seen it? No. Right. So in all the trailers, early yeah. trailers and that, Harley Quinn is wearing shorts. She has hot pants. In the San Diego footage, and maybe in the final film, I don't know because you've not seen it. She's wearing essentially Knickers. underwear. Yeah. Okay, but fine. again, Frank Cho works on variant covers. Yeah. So it's not like it's the main cover, and it's not like he's the interior. So do artist. you have to specifically order that cover? I think so. Yeah. Right. Okay. Which isn't this the Milo Milo Manara argument all over again? Yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well. Anyway, uh, other than that, this was the fastest read of the Rebirth line. I fairly blitzed through this. Wonder Woman launches into investigation into her origins and backstory, and that's it. Yeah, because it's Wonder Woman going. Is this the real story? Is mm. this the real story? Yes. No. I don't know. Is it not a bit Joker as well? Sometimes I like to remember my past as multiple choice. Yeah. So. All right, so we're, we're middling on that one. I enjoyed it. You thought it was all right. Okay. Anyway, we have to go digital for the next one. See, a lot of these books, again, they overpriced them. So I went digital on um, a couple of them. Flash Rebirth has a cover with the Flash running towards us. <laughs> what more do you want yes. from the Flash? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It does the job, doesn't it? Uh, it was written by Joshua Williamson. Williamson, sorry, with art by Carmine Di Giandomenicio. Is that right, you think? I have no idea. Uh, it was a good guess, I suppose. Um, <laughs> a case suspiciously similar to the death of Barry Allen's mum has the Flash all of a tizzy when visions of a teen named Wally West and Reverse Flash haunt him. But when one of the visions turns out to be real, Barry realises that vast chunks of his life are missing. When he pulls Wally out of the Speed Force, some things come back, but he needs Batman if he's going to solve this mystery. Very much a um, sequel to the Rebirth issue one, isn't it? Well, this... Sidequel sequel. Yeah, it's like a supplementary bit yeah. to it. You're seeing Barry Allen's point of view for this variant cover on this is utter Yeah. Um, you're seeing Barry Allen's point of view, whereas in Rebirth you saw Wally West's yeah. point of view. So I, I liked that. Some nice visual nods to the past in this as well. Which I thought was really good. The, what do you think of the art? I thought the art was ugly. It, do you not think he's trying to be Scott Collins? Yeah, yeah. But I, just, I felt it was ugly and I think it ruined the story a bit for me. Right. The story I felt was just a bunch of talking and supplementary information on Barry's uh, memories of Flashpoint mm. and the Rebirth anyway. So I, I liked the, the, the taking Rebirth and looking at it from another angle thing. That Roshiman type yeah. style. So I didn't find the story to be that hot, hmm. but the art ruined it a bit for me. All right. I like the lots of nods to the past. And yeah, like the there's, sausage there's bit one, yeah. The, the, yeah, the meal falling and... Uh, there's lots of them as you go through the book. The, the, that's a Carmine Infantino nod, isn't it? Yes. At the bottom of that page. But I find it interesting that his dad's back now. Well, this is one of the things I thought about this. It's hard not to read this with Grant Gustin's voice in your head. Right. Because this is a sequel to DC Universe Rebirth, which I don't recall being mentioned in the solicits. Mm. So do you think that caught people off the hoof a little bit? I don't know. That this was a direct sequel to Rebirth. But it's very definitely can fit into TV series continuity. 
if you're right. picking this up as a fan of the TV show, isn't it? Mm. I mean, the Wally West in the TV show is a black dude, but he's in this as well. Yeah. So you're suddenly getting two Wally West. So the flash was, of two worlds. Yeah. Is this then the rebirth allowing them to do, allowing them the, the TV show to influence the comics then? Yes, especially seeing as the TV show is doing Flashpoint this season. Right, yeah. So it's it's a nice little piece of synergy, would they would say. Mm. It makes sense if you want to get people who are watching the TV show to read the comics. Yeah. You want to give them a first issue that feels as much like the TV show as possible and then take them down a completely different path. I've never really been a, fo- uh, a fan of outside media adaptations of comics mm. influencing the base comics. Yeah. But I suppose if the TV show is doing a not a better job, but if the TV show is successful, then it makes sense for them to... Yeah. To try and capitalise on that audience, yeah. Um, I do like as well that we get a little bit more on what Batman's up to. Mm. And we see scenes after Rebirth. So not only is it like a sidequel to Rebirth and that you get to see what Barry was up to before Wally shows up and then you see all the Wally West stuff from Rebirth but from a different point of view. You then get a little bit of sequel. So I really like the structure of it from that point of view. I don't disagree with you that the art's... Not to my taste, right? I'm gonna say and be diplomatic, uh, diplomatic about it. Yeah, yeah. but it, it did feel a little bit Scott Collins to me. I do love that advert. Which one? Superman punching a punching kid. that kid in the in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I do hope they don't drag this on too long. But they have said they are gonna go for a two year storyline with this. They've got two years worth of it mapped out right. for rebirth. So we'll see what happens. With that. So, again, we're kind of a semi agreement for that one. Mm. So, we've only really disagreed on one so far. Yeah. Which was Aquaman. All right. Hellblazer Rebirth was mm. the most intriguing of the Rebirth titles. Both Michael and I uh, grew up on Hellblazer. Yeah. So, we loved Hellblazer. Frankly, dismayed by the new 52 version of the character. Felt like John Constantine in name only. So it was it was with much trepidation I picked up the digital version of this. Right. Uh, the, the old logo's back. Yeah. Well, it's the Hellblazer. Yeah. Was he the Hellblazer or was he just Hellblazer? Well, it was Hellblazer. Was it then John Constantine then Hellblazer? Constantine. Yeah. And then John Constantine the Hellblazer. Right. Okay. Fog on the tie. Oh, mine. Oh, mine. Uh, this new version was written by Simon Oliver and written, no, drawn, sorry, by Maury Tatt. From All-Star Western fame. Yes, which was a good book. Jonah Hex, All-Star Western. Um, Synopsis, John returns from New York where he's quickly up to his old tricks. In this case, that involves defeating the curse placed upon him by Laughing Boy that kept him from London in the first place. I thought this was a pretty decent beginning to a new era. John returning from New York, being cursed to not be in London, Mm. which I thought was quite good. John flees the US because of Trump. Yeah. There's an irony, though, that he's back here just in time for Brexit. (laughs) And I do wonder what John would think of all of that. Mm. Because there's always been a left-wing socialist leaning to John Constantine's politics. Yeah. Which I don't mind with certain characters. I don't mind it with Green Arrow, who in Green Arrow Rebirth Number 1 actually labelled himself a social justice warrior. Right. And I don't mind it with John, because it's been there from the very beginning, hasn't it? Well, I think with John Constantine, he's just... He, he just really hates the bastards in charge. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. He just doesn't like them generally. So, all right. so he's he's the he's Ian Hislop in a trench coat. Yes, pretty much. It was a nice nod to John's leftist leanings, mm. which kind of got that was sh- 
under the carpet in New 52, wasn't it? We didn't want well, none of that. No, because they focused on the magic. And yeah, the they focused on making him Doctor Strange. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Which we weren't fans of. No. This feel, this at least felt like John was back. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I held on to Constantine a lot longer than you did. It didn't feel like John to me. No, it didn't, and that's why I gave up. But this, to me, this felt like um, everyone remembers the great stories in Hellblazer. But to me, this felt like it wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst. It was just an issue of Hellblazer. But it felt like an issue of Hellblazer. Yeah. So even though it wasn't great or memorable, mm. it was an issue of it. Yeah. And after we've not had an issue of Hellblazer for such a long time, yeah, this felt like being home. So you got your Jamie Delano run, you got Ennis run, yeah. your Peter Milligan run. And this is somewhere in between. Yeah, the Warren Ellis stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in the it's in the unmemorable ether. Yeah. It's in it's the Brian Azzarello stuff. Okay. <laughs> Mike Curry stuff wasn't bad, was it? Was it not? No, I don't remember that being bad. But anyway, yeah, so this this was a thumbs up largely because it felt like we'd got Constantine back. Mm. So John was back. He's back in London. He's up to his old tricks. Biggest problem was the inclusion of uh, Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman. Yes, I do not disagree with that at all. Mm. They do not belong in a, in a Hellblazer book. And they could be easily taken out. Without yep. affecting the story. Yeah, just have um, just have him meet up with Swamp Thing. I think they're only in there just so that it's still got a tether to the DC verse. Yeah, whereas I would have I would have nixed that appearance. Yeah. Nice that the created by credit Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, John Totleban, Jamie Delano, and John Ridgway mm. all get credited as creators. Yeah, which is intriguing. Yeah. I would have thought Alan Moore wouldn't have wanted his name here. But, you know. <laughs> the original writer. Yeah, the original. <laughs> Yeah, remember, that was a thing. Uh, lovely visual touches. You called me earlier on and pointed out Jimmy Palmiotti and Darwin Cook yeah. in the in the bar in New York. Um, my personal favourite was an appearance by the Fat Slags from Viz. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh an insane amount. I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, according to the newspapers in this, Trump wins. Right, okay. Yeah. If you actually read the newspaper heading later on. Yeah. So is that an unfortunate prediction of the future? I, I don't know whether that is a, pre- a successful prediction of the future or not. We just have to wait and see. Won't we? Um, and I, I did like the art. I did like the art in this. I thought it was it was very good. But I did like it when he was all star western. Yeah, I think it's a little bit. He doesn't do backgrounds, hmm. but he does nice little digital effects. Yeah, and that's a great panel at the bottom as well. Yeah, the the colouring sells that one through John's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. I mean, it, it felt like John. Like I've got in my notes exactly what you just said. Mm. The story felt a bit slight for Hellblazer, but just having John back yeah. made it worthwhile and having it feel like an issue of Hellblazer. Mm. Just with him being back in London. Yeah. Well, more than that, I think. I don't know that New 52 could have pulled John off in London and have it feel like John. Well, that's why they moved into New York, isn't it? Yeah. Which was a big problem with it. Yeah. So, all right. John Constantine's back. He's still a bastard. Yeah. And we wouldn't have him any other way. I we? do like that he's back to being the con man he was. Yeah. Because he's not all, fireballs out of my hands, demon. Yeah, he's not Doctor Strange. Mm. He's subtler than that. Yeah. Much subtler than that. So, yeah, so that was that was nice to have him back. Uh, other digital issue, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. 
was an issue that I picked up. Pretty decent cover by Ethan Van Skyver, who also provided the interior arc. The writer art, sorry, the writer was Robert Venditti. Uh, Sinestro, the evil Green Lantern, has won. The core is gone and he rules all. Hal Jordan, the former Green Lantern of Sector 2814, is struggling to keep it together, trapped as he is in a construct of pure, unharnessed will. That same will allows him to hold on long enough to forge a new ring and with it, Hal Jordan becomes whole again. He takes the vow and swears to find his friends. Green Lantern is... Um, we've already discussed that the, the, the rebirth issue seems to have taken two, one of two paths. Hmm. They have either been a transitory, transitory issue, new writer comes aboard, cleans up loose ends, and takes the book off in a new direction, or they've just got on with it and told a story. Yeah. Some, like Hellblazer, have done both. Yeah. Which I thought was quite neat. This is very much in the mould of the latter. Having not read any new 52 Green Lantern, I read this and wasn't lost by it, but you didn't. You didn't agree with that, did you? I I thought the art was great, mm. uh, but the art, uh, the story, I, I was completely lost on it. Well, yeah, it, yeah. Sinestro's won. Hal's been defeated. That, that's all I felt I needed to know. Uh, the core have gone. Another fine day in the core. I know. It's just there was something about it. I felt. I, I said we we've not read it since Brightest Day, mm. but there was something. I have no idea what's going on. And I didn't feel like the story. Because it's, it's bringing you up to speed. It's all explained. Yeah, it's still, all exposition. I'm still. It's like I felt like the Doctor's companion, and he's talking really, really fast, and I've still got no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, I, I felt like it's like watching a Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah, after reading this issue, that's explained everything since the New Fifty Two. I still feel like I'm back in Brightest Day. Right. Oh, see, I enjoyed it much more than you did, this one. Mm. I, I, I enjoyed this much more than the other Green Lantern book. Right. Which, whatever that's called. Um, I still thought it did a good job of setting up Hal Jordan as the hero of the piece and how he brings himself back together. And I enjoyed it. Mm. I, 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 I carry on reading this, whereas I'm not carrying on reading the other Green Lantern book. Right. Not that I thought the other Green Lantern boot was bad per se, yeah. but when you're having to trim your budget slightly, that one fell by the wayside, even though I read the Rebirth one. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this one, I thought this one was okay. Right. I thought this one was perfectly fine. Um, is that it for digital? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Well, before we carry on and move off the digital, uh, I did read a couple of others that you've not read, so we just may as well mention them. Justice League Rebirth by Brian Hitch, I very much enjoyed. Is that the Tony Daniels one as well? No, Brian Hitch did all the artwork on that one. Um, oh, isn't that a continuation of his JLA work? No, it's a completely new... Right. His, his previous Justice League work will come out right, okay. at some point, right. according to Dan DiDio. This is a completely new start. He's only drawing this first issue. Okay. It received a lot of flack on reviews that I saw, mm. but I thought that them being a cornerstone of the DCU... And they picked Brian Hitch, who was, you know, the greatest of the widescreen artists. Yeah. So that seemed like an obvious choice. He's not going to be able to maintain a monthly schedule, so they've not even solicited it. Um, the cover's not by Brian Hitch. No, it's Tony Daniel. Which which was a bit odd, even Who, though... Yeah. He on. does the interior after that issue, though. Yes, he it? does. But right. Brian Hitch does this one. Right. And 
there's not really a lot to it. It's a, it's a straightforward Justice League story. Superman's still unsure about revealing himself. I don't know why, given Action Comics. Yeah. But uh, Lois convinces him that a Justice League without Superman isn't really a Justice League. And the point becomes moot when yet another alien invasion requires Superman to even intervene, making the League whole again. And this is what I wanted from a Justice League comic. Well done to Hitch for doing this in one issue. This isn't to be continued. Right. This is a done-in-one adventure where all of the Justice League have to stop an alien invasion. So it's not the new 52 Justice League? No, and it, it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It felt like a Doctor Who adventure. Right. When he actually when they actually all say at the end, consider yourself warned, this world is protected. Isn't that That's what Doctor, Doctor Who, Who yeah. said in the Christmas special that Tennant debuted in? Yeah. So that felt very much like a Doctor But that's not a bad thing. Mm. That's, that's, there's nothing wrong about that the art's good I do think Hitch's bloom has gone off the rose somewhat Yeah. but this was just the right amount of grounded and fantastic and I agree totally with Michael Bailey that Superman's introduction could have been more of a dun 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 right. moment than more just that one Superman. panel yeah. yeah. but I, I actually thought this was one of the better books it's still a new season vibe to it but other than reintroducing Superman, this was a satisfying done-in-one story and tells us the kind of stories that I presume the book's going to tell, mm. which is just big balls or action pieces. There's not a lot of depth to it, but there doesn't need to be. Yeah, It sets out to do what it does, and it does it very, very well. The only thing I can complain about it is the narration's a bit on the nose when he's talking about apparently there are worlds without heroes. Okay. And do they are they just stories in those worlds? Mm. And you're like, who's been reading Neil Gaiman? <laughs> so, but so I'd, I'd recommend reading it and see whether you think we should carry on with buying the monthly issues. But I appreciated that that one was a done in one. Yeah. More than anything, all of the others, let's be honest, are set up, aren't they? Mm. Whereas this one wasn't. It's told its story and got the hell out of Dodge, which I thought was really impressive. Uh, I also read the new Superman, which was the Chinese Superman. Right. I've not got any notes about that one, but I I, I quite enjoyed it. Okay. It's what if a bully became Superman? Right. Okay. Is the premise of wasn't that Ultraman? Uh, and yeah, pretty much. Right. Okay. What if Flash Thompson became Batman or well, whatever? What if Flash Thompson became Venom? Oh, oh they'd never do that. <laughs> what the? Finally then, before we call it a day, Nightwing Rebirth uh, was the final boot that I picked up, actually, as physical copy. There you go. His name is Dick Grayson. He used to be a spy. He's back in Gotham. Do you like that? That's very good. Preventing a bomb from going off in Damian Wayne's head. And then he'll take down the Court of Owls as Nightwing. Very much one of the comics that feels like uh, the opening episode of a new season. Yeah. Uh, Didn't it? Mm, they've, they've wrapped up the plot lines of the previous season and they're moving on. Having read exactly none of Grayson, uh, I did appreciate that I wasn't completely lost with this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although there was a feeling of, I've missed quite a bit, haven't I? Yes. But do you not think that the writer of this, which is Seeley, Tom Seeley, Bill Seeley, Bob Seeley, what's his name? I don't know where the credits are. In this, this, are they on the last page? Yeah. What do you think they are? Yeah, let, let's be, you know, let's be a movie. Yeah. Uh, Tim Seeley, yeah. Yannick Paquette was the artist. He was, and it was very interesting, actually, because he's still Yannick Paquette, but he's nowhere near as good as he is when he's given time. Was, was this a rush job? No, he, he said that uh, keeping to a monthly book, even for one issue, mm. he had to cut down... Detail. Yeah. Yeah, it was a page, though, with, with no, no backgrounds at all. Mm. I did love his relationship with Midnighter. Yeah, I genuinely thought that was that was funny. It's been fun being your nemesis. Yeah, 
And earlier, because earlier on, Dick says, "We're we're frenemies on Nemesis does." I I think that one needs work. Yeah. <laughs> the the narration was funny. I liked his relationship with Damien. I thought that was really nicely drawn. He's yeah. Uh, his relationship with Damien has always been a fan favorite since Batman and Robin. All oh, right. But I still can't enjoy Damien being back. You can't get over that, can I you? Can. No. All right. If that, that that's the hurdle you can't cross, then yeah. that's fair enough. But it's this felt like. It was wrapping up loose ends. Yes, very and much so. It's there's something about that that as though it was an enjoyable issue, mm. I can't totally enjoy it because of that. Um, I've not I've not read any Grayson. I've not. We've not read any Nightwing since the early Court of Owls stuff. Yep. So there's quite. It was all wrapping up. Yeah, and then the, the stuff that I wanted to know, like how's he got his secret identity back in the bottle? They didn't explain that. Mm. I wanted to know how he's got his identity back. And the, oh. the, the bomb in Damien's head in the Court of Owls. Yeah. So it was... It, it felt like that was a big, huge plot line and that they just got rid of in this issue. Because what does he... He just pulls it out of his nose like Total Recall, doesn't he? Yeah. That's it. It's one of those things where I'm perfectly willing to accept that it's me not having read Grayson. And this is a continuation of Grayson, or the, the yeah. end of Grayson. Yeah, before we start off with Nightwing number one. And so... The Court of Owls wanting to get to Robin, which they set up back from the very first issue of the yeah. 52, and going through Damien to do that, that seems like a really big plot point that should have been explained a bit more. Well, in Nightwing number one, which I read just the other day, he's he's back working for the Court of Owls, but he's infiltrating the Court of right. Owls. Right, okay. Which is presumably going to be the Especially premise. Especially when... So he's still end, a spy then. Yeah, yeah. And it bothered me a bit, we're at the end. Um, Linkin Park, or whatever he's called. <laughs> Um, is just, you know, just executed in a panel, despite him being a really big character and Bruce Wayne's brother, March, Lincoln March. So they kill him, they shoot him in the eye. Yeah. And the Court of Owls is, it was it was alright when Snyder created it, but the talent got his own comic and we're bringing him up constantly. And then they just kill him. Yeah. Just, yeah. just let it rest a bit. Alright. So that one, was a, that one was an iffy proposition as well, wasn't it? I enjoyed it, but it's an epilogue to a series. It's an epilogue track prologue. It's an epi prologue. Well, it's it's the last episode. Um, it's the last Game of Thrones episode of a season that doesn't have a previously in Game of Thrones. Typically, Game of Thrones never does. Yeah, and that's be slightly convenient. Do you not feel like that's kind of what this is? Yeah, it's the last chapter of a story that doesn't tell you what's gone on previously. Yeah, but I, I, mm, I was going to say I felt like I was brought up to speed, but there were elements. I was like, oh right, so him and Huntress. Are they in a relationship? Yeah. Is that what's happening here? I did like the Snickers ad. Yeah, yeah. Is that Ivan Rice? It is, Doing yeah. the artwork. That Snickers advert is really quite funny. It is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. And Nightwing's, he's blue now. Yes, he's back to being blue. I like the red. Do you? I like red and black mm, as a colour scheme. Okay. I like the blue, but, you know. At least he's not wearing the stupid collar anymore. And it's not zip, unzipped all the way down to his belly button. Oh, that would have been even better. What if he'd carried on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> homoeroticism. Yay. Yeah. Well, you get enough of that between him and Midnight. That's true. Yeah. The shippers probably love this issue. <laughs> don't they? Anyway. There you go, then. Midnightwing. That, yeah. Th- there's our Rebirth show. That's uh, that's what we've got for Rebirth. What did you think overall? Uh, overall, it seems optimistic. Yeah. But when we did our New 52 show... It also seemed optimistic then. That's true. And that went downhill rapidly. Well, so far, the problem that we've got is I'm having to trim some some fat. Yeah. But it's nice to be able to trim some fat because the books are good mm. and not because I just don't care and don't want to spend money on them anymore. Yeah. So that's that's the problem that we currently have. And it's, it's a nice problem to have. 
mm. that DC are currently in a, a good place again because I'd forgotten how much I missed them <laughs> when the when they're on all cylinders. I'd forgotten how much I like their characters. Anyway, that's it. Next time on an all new episode of Hey Kids Comics, I think it's going to be our road to Harley Quinn. Oh, is that what we're doing? That's what we're doing there's next. A, there's a movie coming out. Because there's a, well, the movie's out. So, as usual for me, I've completely bollocks that timing up because another this episode and the previous one haven't been released yet. By the time this episode goes up, it'll be on Blu-ray. Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> will be a thing of the past. Yeah, they'll have got rid of Rotten Tomatoes because boohoo, it, it it aggregates reviews. Yeah. Uh, following that, the plan is to do a Batman vs Superman episode with some Batman vs Superman team up stories. You can find some as well if you okay, want. Okay. Um, again, late to the party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even later. <laughs> Oh, planned. Uh, yeah, our, within, our fingers are on the pulse. It's on the pulse of fandom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By that point, Doctor Strange will come out. <laughs> and then, so maybe next February, we'll do Doctor Strange. Sure. Yeah. We should do the oath. Doctor Strange, right, the oath. Okay. That would be cool. And then Michael is going to write the first of our Capullo, Snyder, Batman. I am. Ones. So that should come out by the time I graduate. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to do Court of Owls, volume one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's coming up. So a lot of Batman coming up. There is. So we're a Batman podcast again. Again. So maybe we should do Doctor Strange the Oath. Yeah. To try and break that up a bit. And Aliens. We want to do Aliens, don't we? We want to do the six. That used to be in the book. That was in the book, yeah. Yeah. We just never got around to it. So So that's it. Hope you enjoyed that. I did very much. Uh, Rebirth is very positive. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Goodbye. A-Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find work for Idle Hands to do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. If you wish to buy stuff from Amazon, why not do it through the twotruefreaks.com link, which leaves a couple of pennies in our tip jar. The music used in Hey Kids Comics is used to underscore the synopsis so they're not quite as boring as you just listening to me talk. Michael and Andrew can be reached through Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Why not join us so we can talk about funny books together? Correspondence to the show generally can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com.